Accepted a rebel broadcast. Here it is. And welcome to Star Wars Sound Direct, the voice of Star Wars fandom. Hi, everybody. This is Lonely Tail, the company by Rebel Scum. They are in this system. I will deal with them myself. The Emperor himself has requested your presence about this matter. Prepare my shuttle. Yes, my lord. bidding, my master. There is a great disturbance on the internet. I have built it. The show is Star Wars on Direct. Yes, the voice of Star Wars fandom. Can we communicate all the Star Wars fans through this show? Not yet, my master. Some fans have never heard the show. They will. It is inevitable. We can use the Force to make these rebel fans tune in live and then take control of Star Wars fandom. They will listen to Star Wars on direct or be destroyed, my master. Good. Everything is proceeding as I have foreseen. <laughs> Patience, my friend. Afraid, are you? Hi, this is Michael Sheard, Admiral Ozzel from The Empire Strikes Back, and you are listening to Star Wars On Direct. This station is being brought to you via Nolsoft Shoutcast streaming technology. For more information, visit shoutcast.com. Hi everybody, this is Josh from TheForce.net. When you get online, be sure to stop by the number one fan site for Star Wars for your daily dose. Our Star Wars news is updated literally a dozen times a day. We cover everything from the upcoming Episode 3 to the latest video games and collecting news. If it's connected to Star Wars, you'll find it on TFN. 
post your thoughts about Star Wars, react to the latest news in the Jedi Council forums. Over 10,000 posts a day. Stop by our side of the internet, theforce.net, your daily dose of Star Wars. StarWarsFanWorks.com, the home of Star Wars fan audio on the internet. It's your home for Star Wars fan audio genre news, a comprehensive catalog of fan-made Star Wars radio shows, parody tales, and serious audio dramas. With behind-the-scenes features, a message board, reviews, tutorials, convention coverage, an internet movie database-style directory of the entire Star Wars fan audio community, and the only fan audio community-recognized Star Wars Fan Audio Academy Awards held each year. StarWarsFanWorks.com. Fandom has a whole new sound. Galactic Hunter, the place where you can find the latest Star Wars collectible news from all around the world. From the Hasbro and Kenner lines of action figures, to comics, games, prop collectibles, and events, everything is covered and reviewed. Join our fan community in the Bounty Hunter Collective forums and find all your bounties at www.galactichunter.com. Galactic Hunter, keeping collectors on target. Legends Action Figures, the place for Star Wars figures and collectibles in Canada. Visit our website and compare our prices. We've got customers from all around the world and the best service around. Come meet the staff at our Montreal store or visit our website at www.legendsactionfigures.com. All prices in Canadian dollars. Star Wars on Direct is brought to you by SimpleMed. With SimpleNet, obtain a low-cost advertising for your company or, quite simply, a space to put your personal website online. Join us at www.simple-net.ca. Disruption can mean only one thing. Here they come! We're caught in the track of demons, pulling us in! You may fire when ready. Commence primary ignition. And welcome to Star Wars on Direct, the voice of Star Wars fandom. This is uh, Real Mites, joined by Brian and Danny. Hello. Hello. But just for today's show, they're going to be B and D. I don't like that, man. I don't care, because... Cause I'm the D-S. D. D-S-D. D-S-D? No, B-S-D. B-S-D? Okay. Linux, you dumbass. Yeah, I know, but... No. No, but it's B-S. Yeah, that's it. That's BS. It's <laughs> <laughs> just BS. You gotta be B because, you know, today we're interviewing somebody very special. The author of none other than the Arnaisdery book uh, called Hard Contact. So Karen Travis will be with us a little bit later in the show. 
And, uh, yeah, you're right. You're totally right. <laughs> okay. And, <laughs> and um, basically, uh, we're going to be interviewing her in, uh, in about an hour. But before we do that, uh, i got to tell you that, of course, well, we will be having more than just Karen Travis tonight. We'll be talking about StarWarsShop.com for non-U.S. citizens. And uh, we're, 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 like, almost playing a scra- game of Scrabble here. It's... it's <laughs> in studio, it's really hilarious. Can I can I join? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. Would you like me to continue smashing so you can play? No, that's okay. Uh, of course, we're going to be reviewing Jedi Trial. Danny will be doing that if uh, we have time. If we have time, yeah. Uh, there's going to be the review of the miniature guide Rebel Storm from the Ultimate Missions Collection, and um, of course, there's our usual segments: hyperspace, Taurus miscellaneous news. Got a you got a new name for that yet? The new segment News Okay, so we're, we're gonna be like <laughs> How about the Pulse? News. <laughs> I like that <laughs> the pulse. Here's, here's the Pulse Here's the Pulse <laughs> Okay Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. And the community good. update of course with us uh, We will be listening at the total end of the show f- At uh, Tatooine TV Commander Pilati Part 3 And uh, that's Basically it's like 20 some minutes long So <laughs> Yeah but that's why we put fair. it at the end. It's funny, so we wanted to put it at the end so that you guys would stay till the end because Tatooine TV is such a good show. Yeah, played in another good show. <laughs> you will learn a lot about women in the part three of Commander Pilate. Okay, so Brian, listen carefully. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> now, Brian's gonna tell us how you can contact us. S W E N Direct. dot com is our website. You can reach us. You can contact us through there. You can join in, in the news group. You can get on the chat. You can look at us while we're doing this through a webcam. You can send us an email at info at swendirect.com. You can also add us to your MSN buddy list by adding the user swendirect at hotmail.com to your MSN user list. Is that it? That's pretty much it. Chat, webcam, webcam new email, e- newsletter. Yup. I think that's everything. Yeah. Wow, I'm getting proficient. We have a thread on the Galactic Center. Yes, we do. We have a thread at uh, FanForce. Yeah. Uh, everywhere. We're everywhere. All right. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Almost. Everywhere. <laughs> everywhere that counts. Yeah, it's at wherever that counts. <laughs> that's true. And so, right now, uh, we just want to warn you a little bit about our little sound card that hadn't, it hasn't crashed yet today. So hopefully it won't crash for the entire show. And uh, if it ever does, please stay on the line. We'll be coming right back. And it might take us like up to five minutes at the longest to actually boot up and connect and everything. So and restart and all that jazz. Please be patient with us. And uh, right now we're going to review very nice... Uh, no, that's not true. We're going to review one good movie and... Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna say. Start with the bad, like you did on the That's it. I'm gonna say right now, Seed of Chucky is the baddest, like horror kind of flick that you can go see this ever? this year, ever, 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 ever. Honestly, it's like this is the kind of movie you have to wait till they show it on TV, and then you switch, then you flip, then you like change channels halfway and through if they, and stuff, if right? If they show something else, just actually watch something else because it's okay. really not worth watching. Or anything. So you waste so. two hours of your life. What? 
So you wasted two hours of your life that you'll One hour and 37 minutes. It was free, but... Yeah, it was free, but it's really not worth it. I went to go see AI. Three hours. And I paid for it. That's worse. I never saw that movie. Yeah, you yeah. know it was actually on TV last night, but I couldn't watch it because I was busy doing something else. So. Yeah, it was probably better you did something else. No, it was. Okay. Um, I was just going to anything else. And there, yes, we're actually invited to the premiere of National Treasure, and uh, Danny's putting up the nice little uh, press yes, kit yeah. that we got from the nice people at Buena Vista and Touchstone Pictures. And uh, here's what uh, basically National Treasure is going back to Indiana Jones with a little little less adventure and more of that treasure on uh, feeling you, were, you you always had when you were a kid. You know, you you always wanted to actually go on this just adventure to just like find the treasure in your, your mom backyard, your mom backyard. <laughs> but then you ended up finding absolutely nothing or digging all the way through China. But you know, never really did work. <laughs> so basically. Um, I always hit a gas pipe first. <laughs> oh, that oh, that would explain a lot of things. <laughs> Got it. And um, but all in all, it was a very good movie. I was very happy. I do su- I do suggest you guys go see it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the basic story is mat- about uh, matinee or not. Yeah, the basic story is about uh, the Knights Templar, uh, a treasure they dug up from Solomon's cave or something, uh, really far back, and they were like protecting the treasure in Europe until they were not ba- sent out they were banned, banned from France or something and they they, they got to uh, America with their treasure hidden in boat in ships and they hid hid the treasure somewhere in in America and they uh, generation after generation they they add some people just to protect the uh, the treasure and they, they they finally put some clues there was a family uh, the fa- uh, the remember. Gates family the Gates family was uh, from generation to generation were trying to find the treasure okay. but they ne- never f- find the the, the the important clue to to actually go on yeah, that, that's go a on. basically it's like the founding fa- fathers were all members of the Knights Tem- the Knight Templars Association if you can say so that way, just like you know, Homer got actually yeah. a and member. The Mason so and they're like and Masons, the, yeah, and the Masons, yeah. and like like the Homer, like Homer becomes like a member of the s- the, 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 the stone cutters, yeah. and um, it's it's very funny, and you have Harvey Keitel that makes an appearance in this movie. That's that's nice too. He's an FBI agent, so just for that you have to go see the movie. <laughs> but basically, um, those guys. Uh, the the founding fathers actually put clues so that the, nobody would actually find the treasure mm-hmm. and at one point there was only one guy with the last clue remaining and he was about to die so he decided to go see the president and tell, tell him about that clue but, but he, died could, he couldn't see the president in time so he told the the clue to the gates like the doorman or yeah the, well actually the gatekeeper it, no it's not the gatekeeper it's, it's his, uh, his carrier okay driver Okay. And uh, he, um, he, he told that guy the clue, and that guy was the great, fa- the great great grandfather of Dick the Gates, Gates guy, yeah. who uh, was the main character in the movie played by Nicolas Cage. And it's, it's a it's it's a very good intrigue, and it's very nice. Except that sometimes when they're thinking up about enigmas and clues, they, <laughs> they just go like the old Batman and Robins of the 70s with Adam West. 
Gee, Batman, you know? So Robin. <laughs> yeah, they find clues like... Batman, let's go back to my place and have some drinks. Yeah. <laughs> no, not and like that. Yeah. <laughs> not that Batman? Aww. Yeah, there's like one or two patriotic, patriotic moments. There's one in particular that yeah. does prove that Jeremy Bruckheimer probably voted for Bush, but we can't hold it against him. Okay. <laughs> so I saw Spongebob. Oh, the day that we had the show last week, but we didn't get to talk about it. Yeah. Okay. And it was really funny, and it's like a long SpongeBob episode. SpongeBob episode. But the best part of it is the soundtrack. Soundtrack is really great. Oh. But I, I earned one song. Yeah. So maybe we'll be able to listen to some more of those songs in future Star Wars on Direct shows. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? But right now, we're going to go listen to Lustra and a very nice song called Scotty Doesn't Know, and we'll be right back to Star Wars on Direct. The voice of Star Wars fandom. Scotty doesn't know that Fiona and me do it in my van every Sunday. She tells him she's in church, but she doesn't go. Still, she's on her knees, and Scotty doesn't know.
At SimpleNet, you will get, at a very reasonable cost, an advertising space for your company, a website built for you by our team of professionals, or quite simply, a space to put your personal site online. The online gamers are not forgotten. We can offer fixed prices of bandwidth, as well as solutions for turnkey pre-configured game servers. Join us at www.simple-net.ca. Legends Action Figures, the place for Star Wars figures and collectibles in Canada. Visit our website and compare our prices. We've got customers from all around the world and the best service around. Come meet the staff at our Montreal store or visit our website at www.legendsactionfigures.com. All prices in Canadian dollars. Hi, this is Steve Sansweet, and you are listening to Star Wars on the Left. And welcome back to Star Wars on Direct Voice of Star Wars Fandom. And uh, now we're going to be listening to the Star Wars Hyperspace segment, which I'll be uh, actually doing again. And uh, first of all, we want to tell you how it's going to work. If you're in the chat on SWENDirect.com, we please ask you not to discuss any spoilers at all. Anything that's related to Star Wars Episode 3 that you want to discuss, take it to my room 1. If you don't, I'll kick you. Or my, friend will s- or my friends will kick you. Like somebody will kick you. So don't talk about episode 3 in the simple room, in the default room, that's all. It's just that simple. Don't talk about episode 3 on forums that are not allowed for episode 3 discussions all around the internet. And if you do want to talk about this... uh, There are places to go. There you go. After the movie comes out, no problem. Yeah. So, on on this note, here goes the introduction, and we'll be going on for 10 minutes today. So just make sure to turn down the volume if you don't want to hear any spoilers. Oh, crap. And there were a couple of images uh, that came out in the world of hyperspace, but, you know, I think it's getting kind of tiresome of me describing those images. So, I'm just going to skip the images today, (laughs) because I don't feel like doing them. Uh, Good for you, Sebastian. Little uh, spoilers that came in this week. Uh, basically, Anakin and Dooku fighting at the, the the fight at the beginning of the movie. Anakin will cut both of Dooku's hand, and he will therefore be defenseless. The young Jedi will be there. Will, will actually cut his head when making like this scissors movement with the, the two lightsaber blue and red. And that's gonna be so cool. That's gonna, gonna be like <laughs> yeah. It promises to be very interesting. I wonder if they're gonna be blood. Thing is, cutterizing. Thing is, the no ca- the camera will be zooming on the visit uh, on the face of um, Dooku? of Dooku to show the fear in his eyes, and no, then I want to see, I want to see the pop team's face go like sweet, <laughs> <laughs> and then you're you're gonna have the blue and red saber decapitating, beheading him, yeah. beheading him um, at the uh, superior part of the neck. So. I hope it's going to be like either really slow so we can really enjoy that part or it's going to be like really quick and we'll s- just see like the shadow of Dooku's head falling and then his body following soon after and like his head rolling on the floor or something. That would be nice. No, I don't think so. It's not going to happen, eh? Okay, the death of Padme. A little bit more details about this, uh, about the particular scene where this is going to happen. You're, you'll, you'll see a floating droid coming out of the medical center to uh, to greet the two Jedis. 
the two last Jedi of the galaxy, Yoda and Obi-Wan. If the droid could have an expression in his eyes, it would be an expression of sadness. His multiple harms are trying to explain the message to the last two Jedi of the galaxy that, you know, Padme's dead. And on the, back, uh, on the background, you'll see Padme. She'll just be lying on a white oval bed of some sort. And, uh, what? No, except no. for the hover, hover, hover bed or something. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's a hovering bed, and uh, she's she's dead and she's covered like from her chest down. Damn, that's like sick, man. Here's the here's the really like sad part about it though. It's that some extraterrestrial life forms with like blue large N will be actually taking taking care of her body. <laughs> Sebastian wants to be there. Yes, I want to be a big blue guy too. <laughs> With big blue hands. <laughs> With big blue hands. <laughs> and um, aren't they usually orange, Sebastian? Yours? What? Are they? What my arms? Yeah, hands. they're yeah. usually orange. Yeah, they are. Orange. Anyway, moving on, Sebastian. You're so sad, man. <laughs> You're so sad. But apparently, there's nothing that can be done uh, because the guys they just can't save her. Yoda just sighed at that at that point, and that's when the droid says, "I'm sorry." We haven't been able to save her. However, we've been able to save the kids. The children. The children's. I'm sorry. The twins. And you know what? You know what I'm thinking? I'm thinking that exactly at that point, we're going to see Yoda looking down and then just turning his head up to Obi-Wan and Obi-Wan looking down and turning his head to to Yoda and they're just going to look at each other and they're going to know what to do. But, like, the whole description, if it is good... As the, as, as well described mm-hmm. as is in the movie, yeah, like tears. Yeah, come on, I'm gonna cry, man. I know I'm gonna cry. Yeah, you yeah, cried in episode three. two, man. No, I didn't. You didn't? No, I didn't. You didn't. I, I thought didn't you did. No, I didn't cry at episode two. Okay, so somebody cried. I thought they were weird. Yeah, <laughs> it's not that good. That, that's why. That, that's why. Uh, Maybe they were sad. <laughs> that's why they said that we will hate Anakin because Padme dies. And we will cry. Yeah, but as I said earlier in, in the previous show, we, we already hate yeah. Anakin. <laughs> Don't hate Anakin. In any case, uh, we're going to see who the true hero of the movie are, uh, not the other heroes that were that are will be dying through the movie, like Kit Fisto and Mace Windu and all the, the other guys, but Yoda and Obi-Wan. Yoda will be on a, squ- on a quest to eliminate Palpatine, and Obi-Wan will be on a quest to actually save Anakin from the dark side. <laughs> what was Excuse that? Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> However, both of them fail totally and completely. So, yep. total failure. Total failure. There, they are failures. So that's when you're gonna have Dark Sidious at the end of the the, the credits, and it's gonna be like fatality. <laughs> <laughs> I'd no. see that, but it's not gonna happen. I wouldn't. In the last Homing Beacon, we had a quick snapshot from uh, Trisha Bigger's interview about what's going to be the first scene of Padme. Uh, she was talking about the costume and the costumes and how there were supposed to be like only ten or something like that, but there were in the end twelve or something like that. And uh, I'm sorry, I'm not exactly certain about the exact number of costumes, but it's somewhere around this these times. And uh, yeah, I'm going on. Shut up! Stop doing that. It's push- putting pressure on me. That's not good. <laughs> you want me? Ah! <laughs> That's what I'm going. So, uh, she said that Padme will be ap- appearing for the first time in episode 3 on Coruscant, and she's just awaiting for his for, for her secret husband to come back. And uh, she's the first time we'll be seeing Padme, she's going to be 
a little bit mysterious and she's going to be hiding behind columns and she basically is waiting for the end of discussion between Anakin and Bail Organa so she wanted to use a, c- a color that was dark enough so she could hide in, in, in the shadows of those columns and everything but she also wanted to give her a, co- a color that you know when she would be coming out we would see that she's pregnant so that's where she used this satin uh, dark blue costume we've seen in the couple of pictures thus far so this process to be very very nice so are you going to be talking about the action figures not the Burger King ones but the other ones yes everything I'm just going to talk about like the one little details that are very uh, episode 3 I'm just I'm just I'm putting it just putting links okay but on the back of uh, the uh, Grievous card you're you're able to actually take a good look at what the uh, the the Grievous bodyguards will look like yeah which is just like which we've already seen yeah which we've already seen but it's still confirming it very well and uh, at the at the back of uh, Darth Vader Darth Vader's card you can read um Feeling everybody that he loved, Anakin is uh, submerged in the dark side of the Force. He enveloped himself in a dark armor that will uh, that will summon fear around him and in the galaxy. He's no more Anakin Skywalker. He's now Darth Vader. This promises to be very interesting. And uh, there is one image I really want to... There are two images that are really worth actually going to the website, to the StarWars.com website to see. One of them is uh, the Battle Above Coruscant, and it's a very nice IRS picture, and you, c- you can see details on the ships, and it's very big and very nice. And the other one is Yoda in the Jedi Temple after something bad happened. So you can just take a look behind him, and you'll see what happened. And it doesn't look good, and it's going to be a very, very sad scene in the movie. So, there you go. This basically concludes the Star Wars hyperspace segment. Now we can go to my... To your news. We can go to Kit Fisto's Pulse. Yeah, I like that name. Kit Fisto's Pulse. Pulse. Master Fisto, trust your insight, we do. Hello and welcome to the Pulse. (laughs) <laughs> that seems like so vibrant, man. Like put emotions oh. into it. Pulse to the pulse. Okay, this week in comics, or less rather, this past week in comics, the first issue. <laughs> it's Shut a up. pulse. Oh, okay. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Obsession number one came out this past Wednesday. It is the uh, well, the first one of the uh, series. It is the direct prelude to Revenge of the Sith. You can check out the preview. I'm going to put the link in the chat. So, and further news, there was you got the there was news about the um, new books nine book series from Surastini from the official site. So um, it's all coming together really well. Such a pleasure to have everyone here, so we can have a lively and open discussions. We now have a strong story thread for the series plus detailed plot points for the first three books and high points for the rest of the remaining six. We have the beginning, the middle, and the end and the main story dra- backdrop or a physical setting. Um, we'll be emailing around ideas, notes, and outlines now fleshing things out even further before the actual writing begins. Um, they don't actually have a series title yet, though. 
As for the Lucena book, this is the book that is right after episode three. Episode three. We met this morning and went through and through lunch. Um, very good stuff. We have a strong storyline that begins just before the end of Revenge of the Sith and carries forward a number of weeks or maybe even a month or two after. Time span is not entirely nailed down. We have come up with plot points, enough material for Jim to develop a strong storyline outline and great story. And we have a title. Yeah. Star Wars Dark Lord. Exactly. So, um, also, the Revenge of the Sith book covers came out. So you can go check those out on the website. They pertain to various books that will be published around the release of Star Wars. There's the art inside the world, a bunch of really cool stuff. But they're spoilers, so... They're pictures from episode 3, but they're on the official site, so use your own discretion. Um, Also, there were the Star Wars DVDs released, but not really the movies, but the Ewok Adventures. It is a double disc. I think Sebastian has it over there. He wouldn't mind showing it to the webcam. That's the Ewok Adventures. It's a double feature. You get both of them. How much is it, Sebastian? (laughs) I can plug it. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> it's eleven ninety nine right now at uh, DVD Passion in Saint Bruno. Twelve ninety nine DVD Passion in Eaton Center, and I don't know how much it is in Point Flare. That's Canadian dollar. Canadian dollars, so it's really yeah. cheap. Uh, there's also the Droids animated series and the Ewok series. They are individual DVDs. Those though, so they came out in November twenty third. That's um, also if if I may though. No. Uh, yes, I will. <laughs> <laughs> Those three DVDs. Uh, you have the boat. You have both Ewok uh, TV ser- TV f- movies. That's what I said on uh, on the the first on one. the first DVD. But the droids and the Ewoks animated adventures are each individual. Yeah, but it seems like there there's only like two mini Season. movies, yeah. and it's not even seasons because the droids DVD is only 176 minutes. Well, it's the mo- the droids movie. It's the droids movies. Yeah. Okay. They released. They released those. They before. should have put out like the TV show first. Though. What do you want me to say? That's your story. And about. here we go. I'm going to show you the scans, the Burger King promo scans that but Dairy Queen, uh, not Dairy Queen, sorry, Burger King is going to be using to promote Star Wars Episode Three. So these were taken off the Force.net. So go into the chat to see. So go into the chat to see them. I think they're working. If not, I'm sorry. Um, also, there's the. I'm going to post the information, for the pictures from the first wave of um, episode three figures. They're spoilers, so take that into consideration. Also, there are. P- I'm going to post pictures from the first, from the f- from the first two waves. Then there's a Palpatine prototype figure. Oh, yes. You have to see it though. It's spoiler. Everything, all the all the figures are all spoiler because it's. Obviously, they have to do with the movie. So take that into account. I'll probably I'll, I'll put them in my room too. And then there's the complete list of all the figures that will be released for episode three. So I'm going to go put those in my room one. And also in in video game news, the Sith Lords Re- Knights of the Old Republic two has gone gold and will be released on December sixth in time for Christmas. So you don't have to panic. So don't worry too much. Also, in my last bit of news, ESPN has released a new commercial for um, their Sports Center show. And it has Star Wars characters in it. And you can watch the commercial on the official site by following the link in the main chat. 
And that's it for the Miss News. I will go and post the action figures, uh, threads from Lenny and Falcon in my room one. Be careful, it is a spoiler board. Back to you, Sebastian. And now that we're back on Star Wars on Direct and we're done with Kit Fisto's balls. We have a problem with the chat right now. It's really slow. <laughs> and it's kind of weird. <laughs> so I'll yeah. be warning you right now that our servers are doing backup. And this is the reason for which you might either have some sound lag or uh, some difficulties in the chat room tonight. But hopefully it will be the over. Uh, uh, I've just posted the links in the chat in my room one. So, go have fun looking at all the goodness. Be careful, there are meter spoilers. Alright. So, we got some dead air here that I guess yeah. I'm going to fill. No, we don't have any dead air. I'm just waiting for uh, the producer to. You were good to go? Yeah, I was just uh, speaking with the, uh, the uh, tech guy from our server. That's good. Let's go into uh, the community update. Okay, so I'll be going through the con big conventions that are happening in uh, in the uh, actual world of the United States. And uh, at the end, please, producer, remind me to not forget both events that are coming up here in mm. Canada, and especially more around Montreal. So, Gen Con, Anaheim, California. We have Star Wars guests uh, Ray Park, Daniel Logan, and Tom Hudge, and Raiden D. Martinez, which will be happening from December 2nd to the 5th at the Hanama Anaheim Convention Center, 800 West Catila Avenue, Anaheim, California. Uh, for the hours, you should check out the website. And for the admissions, it's only at the door. It's a four-day badge for $55 and a one-day badge for $20. Children eight and under are free but require a badge and must be attending with a guardian that has a convention pass. Uh, for more information, you can visit www.gencon.com slash socallhome.espx in question mark file equals socall. Just go to GenCon.com and probably follow the links. It's <laughs> probably the best idea. Or you can search in Google for GenCon SoCal. Yeah, that's it. Uh, there's going to be a Star Wars conference in Barcelona, Spain, December 5th to 7th. Star Wars guests include Steve Sansweet and David Prowse. For the location, you should see the website. How you see the website and the mission, see the website. And here goes the, be the website, www.bebediciones.com conference inicio.html. Where so is I'm that? That's in that's in Barcelona. Okay. So it's actually www.bibadiciones.com slash conference slash inicio.html. Okay. That's and Steve, <laughs> and Steve doesn't come to the East Coast still. No, he goes to Barcelona because like it's nice out there, you know. They have yeah. the Olympics once, but the East Coast? Who cares about the Northeast? <laughs> yeah, the Northeast is like I don't know. It's it doesn't exist. It's like the ghost. Chicago and Montreal to and Chicago Toronto and, and New York and, and Boston, New York. Philadelphia, nope. New Jersey. Nope. Forget it. Washington, Baltimore. <laughs> no, it's not important. Yeah, that's it. Florida. <laughs> <laughs> no, you. <laughs> Florida. <laughs> 
PhilCon 2004 will be happening in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I do believe this is the Worldcon. I'm not sure, but I think it is. From Decem- No, it's not. From December 10th to the 12th. And Kevin J. Anderson, as well as Reme- Rebecca Mohesta, the nice uh, Star Wars couple author, uh, will be attending. The location is the Philadelphia Mar- Marriott Downtown. That's 1201 Market Street, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, 19107. It's 40 hours, you should see the website. Admission is 3-day adult passes in advance, $45, before November 15th. So I'm sorry, folks, you missed your chance. You're going to have to pay $50 at the door, and 3-day child pass are $25 for children between the age of 7 and 12. For more information, you should visit the f- trip, the, their website, www.philcon.org. So there you go. Then on December 12th, you have Hollywood 2 in Hall... United Kingdom. Star Wars guests include Jeremy Bullock, Boba Fett, Richard Parmentier, Hyrule Mati, 501st UK Garrison, and life-size props including Ewoks and R2-D2. That might probably be interesting. A life-size Ewok? A life-size Ewok. (laughs) Kick it for us! (laughs) (laughs) It's gonna get beaten up. Yeah. And this is going to be happening at the Kingston Communication Stadium, the Circle, Walton Street, Annabelle Road Hall. Hours are from Sunday 8:30 a.m. onwards from early for early entry, and Sunday is 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. for tickets on the door. Uh, admissions are two pounds per adult. Was that two two pounds? Child OAP. That's probably with a pound. That's pretty cheap. One pounds. pound and under three are free. Early birds is six pounds. For more info, you should, you should visit our website, which is www.welcometohollywood.co.uk. And that's Hollywood with you. And now, ladies and gentlemen, those who ripped my favorite con name, JediCon 9 will be happening in Basildon, Essex on December 19th, with Star Wars guests such as William Holland, who was a Starship Commander in Return of the Jedi, Stephen Colcott, who was Chewbacca and Darth Vader stand-in, uh, Christine Hewitt, Brie Tonika Twin, and uh, Mike Edmonds, Lugre Ewok Medicine Man, Agnap Jabba Operator. Where's that? This is happening at the Markham Chase Leisure Center in Markham's Chase, Basildon, SX, UK. It's JediCon. JediCon is in the UK. And there's a JediCon in, in Germany also? And there's a no, it's no? not. No, that's oh, it's called it in, in Germany. The big, big con in Europe. JediCon. It's JediCon also. So they got different places where they have JediCons. But the last one was actually JediCon 8, so they probably move around like SFX. Anyhow, the hours are from Sunday 10.30 a.m. to 4 p.m. for advanced ticket holders, and Sunday from 11 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. for tickets at the door. Admission is for adults 6 pounds and child 3 pounds. At the door, adults 8 pounds and uh, child 4 pounds. And for more information, you can visit their website at www.scifishows.com slash scifishows slash jedicon.shtml And uh, that is it, because the next convention on the list is on May, is in May. Oh. After that, so... You did all the way to, through May? No, well, be, uh, I did all the way to December. Okay. To the end of December, and this is the other one that has been announced. And there's no convention until C3 after that? I don't know. <laughs> there's probably going to be some, but they're not like registered yet. Okay. And of course, we're going to be here in Montreal, where on December 11th we will be going to the OVMF uh, yeah. concert, which is themed on ba- the back yeah. in time or time travel? Tra- time tra- traveling. Time travel themed. Uh, nice music. 
very nice ambience. There are the ones that made the Star Wars concert a few years last. Back. Ye- uh, not last year, but two years before. Ago. Yeah, and so they will do a prequel concert. There you go. In the spring of 2006. So those of you passing by Montreal, we invite you to come by. And of course, uh, we will also be having our usual uh, January dinner. year year beginning of the year dinner, supper, whatever, movie night. Very fun event on January 7th. For those of you in the Montreal area, we invite you to go to the www.sitland.net. As some people in the regional forums of some other uh, forums won't let us post these informations, but uh, we'll also it will also be posted on fanforums and other places. But there you go. Yeah. And this is what concludes the community update. Cool. Do I put a transition? Yeah, I could. I need to find a transition now. So I think you got one on the top of your list. <laughs> yeah, uh, not the Jeopardy one. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> we know you want to. Hey, we're we back go. on Star Wars Undirect, the voice of Star Wars fandom. And I guess that right now we're going to go into the main subject. Reviewing hard contact. So Sebastian just okay. So so that orgasm people so that people at home understand. I haven't read a Star Wars book in a very very long time, <laughs> and Danny was like hooked up with something else, and Brian couldn't read it because of school and work. So I had to read the book and make sure that at no, least no, 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 one no. of us... Well, wait, let I me finish, let I me finish. Let I, me finish. I let told finish. Sebastian he had to read the book. Yeah, that's it. So let me finish. I was told to read the book. And what happened is that I really, really enjoyed it. <laughs> Maybe a little too much. Hey, imagine that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I'm, like, really high on Star Wars Republic Commandos now. Now you want to make... S- a costume. Yeah, I'm gonna ha- recommend those. I'm so good. I'm so into the DC-17. <laughs> you want to buy the game now? You want to? And uh, I'm surprised you didn't show your badge yet. You know? Right. I got my badge from San Diego Comic Con. Thank- thanks to Sabrina, our friend. Where is it? Oh, there it is. <laughs> I mean, look at the out. chat room uh, and the webcam. Look at the webcam. He keeps it in his pants. Leave it at that. <laughs> Oh man, and I'm touching it. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, these uh, these badges were actually distributed at uh, the the San Diego Comic Con at the Star Wars breakfast uh, with uh, folks like Mary Franklin and Steve Sansweet. So I'm really glad I got my hand on one of these. Really happy. If somebody wants to get rid of theirs, just contact me. Feel free to send an email to studio at swendire.com and I'll <laughs> see if you make arrangements. <laughs> And, uh, no, but basically the book, Star Wars Republic Commando Hard Contact, is, uh, it falls into the Clone War era novel, and uh, it's a tie-in with the game coming out in Mm -hmm. next March. It begins right after the Battle of Geonosis, but at the end of the battle itself, yeah, basically, when they're going off Geonosis after the battle. It basically begins during the battle. Yeah. And at the end of the battle, because yeah. there's this cut in, and it's also kind of tied in with the 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 little preview of the game you see, because what happens in the book at the beginning is basically what happens in the preview, mm. is Delta Squad, and the uh, one of the char- one of the guys from Delta Squad survives, and his name is Darwin, and uh, we will be asking. That's in the game. 
I don't know. Uh, if, I don't yeah. know if Darman's in the game, but like Darman's in the book. Why? Okay. Delta Squad's in the game. Well, actually, in the preview of the game, mm-hmm. and in the beginning of the book. So there you go. They say that Darman was in Delta Squad. Yeah. Okay. Well, Darman is the only surviving member of Delta Squad. Mm-hmm. And uh, so basically, as much as he wanted to wait for his uh, his comrades, they he was la- the the last off planet. That's or the last to go into gunship before. Yeah. And uh, that was very hard for him because it was the first time he was going into battle and it was the first time he was losing his brothers mm-hmm. because Republic Commandos are trained as a squad and by particular trainers mm-hmm. and they do a very good job. They're Make just them sound like dogs, man. They're, <laughs> <laughs> they're just under the... Uh, ac- they're just actually under... Arc troopers, who are recon commandos? They're working alone. No. Yeah, they're advanced recon Mm -hmm. uh, commandos, who are working, who can work alone. Mm -hmm. But those, the Republic commandos or clone commandos, it's like in the book. I don't care. Let's not fight over this anymore. (laughs) It's pointless. The Republic commandos will work in squad of four, and uh, that's basically what you live with through the entire book Mm -hmm. is those guys being sent in order to sabotage a virus making yeah (laughs) a bio a bio uh, engineering plant or something that's where they they're trying they're attempting to make a virus to kill the clones and it's an emotion scientist Mm -hmm. and uh, they They, they, they have to bring back the the main scientist that's it in order for the knowledge to be protected and her not Mm-hmm. actually doing it again it's very vague as to why they didn't just like actually blew the entire thing up from space but they for some reason they wanted uh, to save the scientists mm-hmm. so that's the main reason for which they didn't do it mm-hmm. but they sent clown in a particular place where they had to be like bio protected somewhat mm-hmm. and you you hear y- you're you, she gets into very many details about the suit itself, mm-hmm. the armor, and you know how the back, the backpacks are strapped to get strapped to the armor, and how the black suit underneath the armor is actually an, env- an environmental suit, mm-hmm. and when they put in their elements, they actually seal in to their neck. So that's <laughs> that's cool. something really neat. It's like that's the kind of thing we need in Quebec because in summer it's really hot and winter it's really cold. <laughs> <laughs> Environmental suit. That's it. The, I, I, the one thing I wonder though is if those guys could actually walk into space with those suits. Probably it, not. Uh, it's about the only thing we can't, we don't see them do. Except well, if they have a pressure or something. Yeah. Stormtroopers are able to go into unpressurized space for short periods of time, so it's perfectly acceptable to realize that Republic commandos can do the same. Mm. Yeah. Even longer if their suit is sealed. That's it. And um, basically, they're sent, they're sent in, but. One is dropped off at the wrong place, or they're sent in, in this yeah. into this very bad uh, Atis ship that's really old, and just before it actually lands where they should have landed, which is thirty clicks from from the from target, the, the, t- the actual target, uh, they actually fly into some kind of local flo- uh, local Turbulent or local fa- fauna, and. Uh, one of the motors, one of the the main the main drives blow up, and the the, the ship goes into crashing, and everybody everybody jumps off, and three of them actually jump off 
at the same time or at about there. the same yeah. time and the the other one who's Darman who's the demolition uh, man demolition expert yeah. uh, decides to actually grab on to like a equipment uh, 45 kilo equipment that's it like cannons and guns and more demolition stuff <laughs> and he just like put all those things all together and he throws them gets himself in the back <laughs> and then you can actually see him you know he's it's basically halo high altitude low opening <laughs> so he's going down and he's going down with all this extra weight that, he's, that it's not supposed to be going down that way and you just see him he just sees the tree coming and the tree's coming and he's like that's oh gonna be damn. bad <laughs> <laughs> and he crashes and you don't hear from him f- for the next couple of, chap- of, mm-hmm. of chapters and then you have the basic commanding officer of that squad because mm-hmm. it's not Darman and he's Cursing Darman for doing that because they they have there's like three of them that are now together. They know the ship has crashed, but they don't know if Darman got yeah. safe. And they can they cannot use communication. They can't use communication because they would be detected yeah. by the enemy because they're right behind enemy lines. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're right behind them, just an inch, just an inch in. <laughs> they're totally like into be into <laughs> enemy lines actually. And uh, they actually have to go through. Yeah camouflaging themselves as best yeah. as they can with their white armor. Yeah, they take some mud and, you know... That's it. Why do they have white armor? That's something that she... She, uh, she questioned. Yeah. And we'll, we'll probably... We'll ask her the question. Yeah, we'll be asking her the question later on. Well, basically, the three guys have to go ahead even if they, they don't, know, they don't know what's happening so they, they have like waypoints. well they actually plan the fact that yeah. they might have to drop off mm-hmm. before the, the actual drop point mm-hmm. so they, they pre-planned rendezvous points mm-hmm. and they're going to this alpha gamma alpha beta and gamma and uh, at alpha there's only the three of them at beta there's always there's only the three of them and on their way to gamma they get news from Darman yeah. but Which not from Darman himself but from Someone else mm-hmm. who was who bring brings news from Dar- from yeah. Darman, and, and Darman, um, by the way, finds by meets uh, uh, a young Padawan, a young Jedi Padawan that just lost her master, who was undercover, and she's a runaway from the local police. Mm-hmm. Let's call it like that. And uh, d- we we learned that the Jedi Master actually dies. Mm-hmm. Uh, we never really get to know him that yeah. much, but we do get to know the Padawan very well. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's very troubled. She's going through a lot of problems, you know. Mm-hmm. V- uh, very honestly, uh, uh, there's a couple of points where she could very much slip to the dark side. But she's yeah. always questioning but she her she actions. She, 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 she's not very, very poor, tr- poorly trained uh, as a uh, as a force user. So yeah. even if she she would try <laughs> to to uh, go to the dark side, I don't think she could have. You know. Yeah, that's it. And uh, you know we can say that the the villain is a Mandalorian. The villain Je- Gaz, Oca- like a, a big kick-ass Mandalorian. How would you pronounce it, Gaz Okan or Jazz oh, Okan? We'll yes, have to ask that. Yeah. Anyhow, yeah, the uh, the villain is actually a Mandalorian. Yeah, and, and he has a, a hundred battle droid as a dis- as his disposal. Yeah, only a hundred. Yeah, yeah, it's not a lot. No, it's very poor, but he's a very good tactician, so yeah. he makes a like, good use of it. Yeah, for what he's got left, <laughs> anyway. <Yeah. laughs> he's like uh, appalled by the fact that the clones are made from Django Fett. Yeah, a Mandalorian. <laughs> he yeah. learns that the clones are all made all made from Django Fett from one of the Nemodian scientists, mm-hmm. the, well, the main Nemodian scientist, and 
is just yeah, the, like the, the main scientist is isn't Nemodian. It's, it's a human. She's it a human. Yeah, you you tend to human. Yeah. Okay. It's just the uh, the administrator of the facility. That's yeah. actually okay. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's a this. Uh, when when he hears the news that they're all clones of Django Fett, he goes, "You don't need to say more. I'll <laughs> take care of them. <laughs> care of them all." So. No, dun the the, the three guys, uh, the three. Well, commandos. the commando actually gets reunited. Yeah, and they it's, they he's called Omega Omega Squad. Yeah, and they uh, go uh, they they go to a mine facility where they get explosive and they load up into a a big droid vehicle, almost looking like an yeah. fire droid. And they and they they succeed in blowing, blowing up, up the communication facility. Tower. Yeah, so so they can talk now. Shut up, Brian. <laughs> I'm fishing, <laughs> and uh, so they decide to actually that's it blow up the communication tower so they can actually enter in contact with the ship they have in orbit. Yeah, and we have some artillery support. <laughs> that's it, and, and try to find out if they can actually uh, reach Darman, mm -hmm. and uh, that's not the way they do because just as it happens, they hear about Darman about around the same mm -hmm. time as that. So. They actually did fi finally get together with the e with Etain, and Etain being f to their eyes a Jedi, mm -hmm. she's a commanding officer, she's a general, so she she's she got, she's got to be the the one yeah. actually giving the orders. They're taking orders from her, yeah. whatever, and you know, uh, but she she, do she does that doesn't have the confidence. You know, that's it. She questions herself all the time, <laughs> and that's something that Darman finds out. But he also finds out that you know she has very good quality as mm -hmm. a commanding officer, so he he's kind of teaches her from. along the way. That's it. He teaches her a couple of things, and she she learns a lot from Darman as well, and uh, that just makes her better Padawan, I guess. Mm. But you know, a Jedi Padawan without a master is still very just much less than large. Mm. There you go. So she gets very personal with all four of them, especially with Darman. <laughs> You are so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> you should have seen like that little roar thing that Brian. Oh, uh, <laughs> they didn't see it because the webcam oh, stuff. It's oh, it's <laughs> too bad. <laughs> and uh, no, she didn't get that intimate, but she gets to know them very, like very well by their name and knowing and a, she know a that clone by their name yeah. is something very much personal, especially I in that. They just had numbers. They had they have number, but in she she decided to. Call them by their, by their name, but they all like have own names because when they're training with their brother, they're kind of giving them nicknames. Because in MedStar, they all have n they have they all have letters. Yeah, mm -hmm. they have serial codes, not names. Those but guys have serial codes, but their names kind of represent their code. That's it. Like Niner, Niner's yeah. one. Yeah. The other one's Fee. The other one is Aten, and the other one is uh, Darman. So Darman's most probably because of the demolition expert, yeah. and he's a dormant. <laughs> so that's basically it. So, so they get I'll all conclude this. They get all the way together, and they manage to get their mission on the way. They finally succeed, and uh, the book has a very nice ending, except for the fact that there's this little disturbing part where the Jedi has to stay on the planet. Sebastian doesn't like the, the, the unhappy endings. No, I don't like no. Here's what I don't like: I don't like Jedi being left like behind. Oh, it's too bad. Here's the world's smallest violin. <laughs> Look, it's playing. <laughs> Look, it's playing. <laughs> and uh, Brian, uh, Danny, you had anything to add? 
No, I give it uh, like an 8 out of 10. It doesn't be Jedi trifle for me, but okay. it's pretty good. Uh, if you like me military story, I you will like it. I easily give it an 8.5 out of 10. The uh, the only part where she loses points is that is the, the the rhythm or pace of the book. All the way through the story, you're really like this fifth anticipating the <laughs> yeah. So you're like this fifth commando, and if you read through the book in only one shot, like you did, I'm sure Almost, yeah. I'm sure you felt like a lot of stress at times because like, mm. is it gonna happen? Is it gonna happen? And you just turn the page. Yeah, you're you're happening. just waiting to the, to the objective to be achieved. <laughs> That's it, and it's very long before she actually gets to the objective. Mm. And when she gets there, she still takes her time, and you know, acts very rationally in her writing. Like they, so they, they're not pressured by uh, a craft that will be coming pick t- pick them up at one particular, particular time. Point, yeah. They call the the, the okay. ship when they're done. Where they when they are done. That's it. So so that's pretty good. It was a very good book. I re- highly recommend it, especially be- because it ties with the game. And uh, I don't believe that there's going to be more information in the game going toward that book. Mm. But if they are, just the better. So, very nice book, very good author. I can't wait to see what she's going to write in the post NGO trilogy. So, there you go. Yeah, I guess we can talk about it to her. Yeah. In like, what, five minutes? Ten minutes? Yeah. Oh, actually. Now <laughs> it would be a good now. time. <laughs> so, so we'll be going to a short musical break. We'll be listening to Sweet Fox on the Run, and we'll be right back to <laughs> Star Wars on Direct. Fox on the Run by Sweet. Fox on the Run by Sweet, <laughs> and we'll be right back to Star Wars under the voice of Star Wars fandom. Right after this short musical break.
At SimpleNet, you will get, at a very reasonable cost, an advertising space for your company, a website built for you by our team of professionals, or quite simply, a space to put your personal site online. The online gamers are not forgotten. We can offer fixed prices of bandwidth, as well as solutions for turnkey pre-configured game servers. Join us at www.simple-net.ca. Legends Action Figures, the place for Star Wars figures and collectibles in Canada. Visit our website and compare our prices. We've got customers from all around the world and the best service around. Come meet the staff at our Montreal store or visit our website at www.legendsactionfigures.com. All prices in Canadian dollars. Hi, my name is Peter Mayhew. I play Chewbacca on Star Wars, and you're listening to Star Wars on the Rack. And we are back on Star Wars on Direct, the voice of Star Wars fandom. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is the moment of the night, the highlight of our uh, main uh, subject. Subject. Thank you very much. Uh, we are live with none other than Karen Travis. And uh, Miss Travis is a former defense correspondent and journalist who served in both the Royal Naval Auxiliary Service and the Territorial Army. Her first novel, City of Pearl, was published in 2004 to critical acclaim. Her debut contribution to the Star Wars Expanded Universe is the actual book that's out right now, Star Wars Republic Commando Hard Contact. Which we gave a good review. Which we, gave, we just gave the very good review, so, you know, go buy it. It's really good, but I'm totally <laughs> open to it now. And uh, it came out on October 26th, so just a little bit before... Uh, before Halloween, but we sadly didn't have time to actually make the costumes for Halloween. <laughs> so, welcome to the show, Karen. Hello, hello there. It's lovely to be here, or more, more to the point, about 3,000 mi- miles uh, due east of you. Yeah, thanks for uh, being up so late for us. Yes, well, that's, that's no problem. I normally stay up late writing, so, so, so these would be normal working hours for me. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> working with international hours, so there Absolutely, you go. Absolutely, yes. And, um... Basically, you're a very good example to our list to all the listeners in the UK who want to listen to the show. You know, if she can do it, I'm sure you guys can all do it. <laughs> yes, well, yes. Um, I mean, one, I think that's one of the things that you get used to uh, if you're writing uh, for the for the US market is that your publishers are either on the East Coast, so you've got to stay up five hours later, or uh, as in the case of Lucasfilm, they're on the West Coast, which is eight, eight hours. So. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> It's even further more further down. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, so we're going to go straight into this interview, and we're going to ask you, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, and how did you actually became a writer? Well, as you've, as you've said, I'm an ex-journalist, so I've, I've, I've been, been writing for a living all my working life, uh, which is uh, you know, rather a long time, and I'm not going to say just how, how long, <laughs> it's been quite a few years since I first took up a pen. Uh, I only started writing fiction in 98. I had made a definite uh, plan that I would write fiction and that I would be published. And I, I know it sounds very boring, I started out with a five-year business plan, at, at the end of which I hoped I would have a novel imprint. And um, yes, that's what happened. And 
I actually had three in one year. Uh, this is my first year of being in print, and uh, all, all three novels, uh, two of my own series plus the Star Wars one, have all, have all come out uh, within months of each other. Uh, Crossing the Line, which is the sequel to City of Pearl, actually came out the, uh, the same day as Hard Contact, so it's been a very busy year. Um, I think the, what uh, really made the big difference for me in terms of a writing career was going to Clarion, which is a six-week program uh, run at Michigan State University. There's also a, a, a Clarion West, uh, but I'm talking about Clarion East, which is run on the same lines, and that is six weeks of, of, of very intensive writing with a group of other writers. And it's designed to uh, prepare you for a professional career in writing science fiction and fantasy. And uh, it certainly worked for me because it pretty well gave me an overnight uh, a, a career. I did Clarion in the summer of 2000. Uh, I was selling stories to, to Asimov uh, and Realms of Fantasy very shortly thereafter, and I'd sold my first trilogy to HarperCollins by summer 2002. So that certainly worked as far as a business plan went. <laughs> So that's a very busy uh, writing life you had. And congratulations for actually being published in those uh, very nice uh, short stories uh, magazine, Nazmovs and the other one, Realms of Fancy. Um, what was your actually first Star Wars experience ever? Well, we are going back a very long time now. Uh, one of the very first jobs that I did as a journalist was to actually review the first movie. So that dates me somewhat. That tells you exactly when that, that was. I, I was very young at the time, I would hasten to add. But I remember sitting in the cinema with my notebook on my lap thinking, oh, wow. Because <laughs> <laughs> obviously we, we'd never seen anything like this. I and mean, this, this, this was really epic cinema. And I remember coming out of the cinema thinking, wow, that was amazing. Uh, but what I never thought, obviously, at the, at the time, that you know, quite a few years into the future, I, I'd actually be writing the stuff. Um, so it's it's odd to look back. I actually did look for 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 the review that I did, but I didn't save it because several several fans have said they would love to know what I thought of the film and what I actually printed. But I, I, I do not remember. All I can remember is how 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 much uh, the the uh, battle scenes grabbed me, and I remember coming out of the cinema and thinking, "Well, hey, I've never seen anything quite like that before." Cool. All right. Um, your first Star Wars book is Hard Contact. So what led to that invitation from Del Rey? Well, that was totally out of the blue. Um, about this time last year, I got an email from, from Del Rey saying, would I be interested in principle in writing Star Wars books? And um, I, I thought, well, possibly. I mean, I, it, had never, it had never crossed my mind that, I could, you know, that I'd be asked to do this sort of thing. And I was obviously very much tied up in my own novel, which was due out in, in March, which was City of Pearl. So I said yes in, in, in principle, and obviously uh, I had to talk it through with HarperCollins because I, haven't, I had an exclusive contract with HarperCollins. And they said, well, you know, if, if, you, if, if, you, if you ever do write a novel, obviously we will, we, will, we will change the contract to enable you to, to write this because it doesn't, it doesn't compete with your own titles. So I didn't hear anything more, and I, I really totally, it, it sort of totally passed me by. I, I didn't really think about it anymore. And then February, uh, beginning of March this year, I got another email saying, can you do Republic Command? Can you do a sort of Republic Commando novel and can you do it now? <laughs> so I said, oh, yeah, fine. <laughs> 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 it, it literally just came straight out of the blue like that. And uh, uh, they, they had seen, uh, I think, City of Pearl in, in the manuscript stage and they'd also seen some, some short stories. Um, 
There is a very funny story that I've only just heard. Uh, I had assumed that everyone had read the manuscript of City of Pearl because I'd sent it to uh, Lucasfilm and to Del Rey so they could have a look. And uh, when I visited Lucasfilm uh, a couple of weeks ago to talk about the post-NJO series, we were having a meal, and uh, I happened to say to Sue Ostani from Lucasfilm, oh, and, uh, yeah, of course, you've read City of Pearl, and she said, no. And I said, I thought you'd read it because... Uh, Shelley at Del Rey hadn't read it and uh, it turned out neither of them had actually <laughs> read it. So I, I actually found that very funny and it turned out that what they had seen were some of my short stories. And I, I think there's a sort of uh, cautionary tale there is you never really know what work you've done that's got you the contract. Yeah. <laughs> I automatically thought because I'd seen City of Pearl that they'd read it and they, and they hadn't. But they absolutely promised me that they're going to read it now. <laughs> <laughs> But both of your books came out at the same time, right? Republic Commando and City of Pearl? Uh, no, City of Pearl is, uh, uh, came out in March this year. Okay. Uh, Crossing the Line is the sequel, and it's the sequel that came out the same day as uh, Hard Contact. Okay. That, uh, both of those came out on October the 26th. So they, they've all come out within a few months of each other, yeah. Okay. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> that was a lot of work for you. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm fortunate and I'm a very fast writer. Uh, I did Republic Commando in about eight weeks and that was working part time. Uh, <laughs> although I'm a full time writer now, earlier in the year I was still uh, doing my day job part, part time. Um, City of Pearl and uh, Crossing the Line both took me about 12 weeks. That's really uh, fast. <laughs> yeah. She, she basi yeah. basically. I'm one of these people that either write fast or I don't write at all. Yeah. So I just churn them out they just come straight out so you basically write at least one chapter per day yeah I can I can clear be between uh, I mean a normal day's writing for me is somewhere between five and eight thousand words uh, if it's a good day then I can clear ten but uh, what tends to slow me down <laughs> is, uh, is sort of checking facts and I, and I can spend you know, hours sort of checking out certain things um, I'm I'm classed as a hard science fiction writer. I wouldn't put myself at the really hard scientific end like Benford, uh, but I do take my facts seriously, so I spend a lot of time on, on, actually on the research side. Uh, even really for the Star Wars stuff, I know it's not hard science fiction, but uh, where we are touching on science, I like to try and get it as accurate as I, as I mm -hmm. possibly can. Okay. Wow. Now, hard contact is set in the midst of the Clone Wars, Mm -hmm. and yet taking place remotely enough that you could take a fair amount of liberty when you were writing it. Yes. How did you yes. come up with the story for Hard Contact? Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, I, I must admit, I, uh, it, was, it, it was fairly lucky that I was covering that area because it did mean that I could effectively uh, set, the, set the canon for it. Uh, there wasn't a lot about Republic Commandos uh, actually uh, in the databases, so it was largely up to me and, uh, the, and the, the guys who were working on the Republic Commando game to basically make that up and I worked very, very closely with them. Uh, I've, I've imagine you've, you've probably seen, uh, and I know a number of, of readers have heard me say that uh, I owe a great deal to a, a chap at LucasArts called Ryan Kaufman. Ryan's, Ryan's the, Ryan's the uh, sort of continuity man there and uh, we, we, we did work together very, very closely because even though it's not a, a book of the game, um, it obviously had to have a lot of parallels with the game and there was a great deal of crossover there was the stuff I was doing in the book that was sort of percolating back and, in, 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 and influencing some of the scenes 
and obviously I wanted to get the weapons from the game into the book. But other than that, I've had pretty well a clear run and I could make up my own planet and make up my own aliens. And the whole ethos behind how, the, how these guys operated, how they were trained and uh, how they worked. Cool. I, I would definitely be Darman because I so love the DC-17 now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. You wait till you see the game. I have to be honest. Um, when I went to LucasArts um, on my recent trip. They actually showed me the game. Now, I'd seen it in the early days. Uh, and I will say, I, I, am, not a, I am not a gamer. Mm-hmm. Um, so they sent me tapes because I didn't know how, how to play the game. And I thought, oh, that's rather nice. But when I went to see them the other day, they actually ran the the final version of the game for me. And it it is breathtaking. (laughs) It's especially wonderful to see the DC-17 and you actually see the the ammo clip um, sort of chunked down as the shots go. And it's just so realistic. And you see all, all, all the attachments go on. It's wonderful. So we can say that you will be a gamer... No. Yeah, I, I have a horrible feeling that yes, that's how I'm going to spend many, many hours because uh, I, I was just totally captivated by it. Obviously, um, having written the book to actually see um, the, well, uh, I'll sort of go back a bit. The actual game isn't Omega Squad; it's actually Delta Squad. But you hear them re- refer to uh, to the characters who, who you, you recognise from the book. Oh. But even though they weren't my squad, I still really really sort of took them to my heart straight away and I actually felt I was right in the book. It was it was really very, very good. The quality of the graphics is excellent. But it, it, it's also it's also terribly well done. Um, there are some, there's some really nice bits in it. Uh, there's some nice detail um, when you when you actually shoot uh, some somebody you actually get uh, quite a lot of, sort of debris coming off them and things like that. And I was very, very taken with it. I thought it was very, very well done. Cool. That's very nice. So, while you were actually writing the book, mm-hmm. did did you had access to a demo version uh, from the game? And if so, y- you kind of did you actually influence your storyline based on the plotline or the game details you saw, or was it the other way around? Um, not not really. I, I I would actually say that they were separate. I actually didn't have a demo version. What I had was was, was actual footage of uh, of the game sequences and screenshots, so that I could get the armor right and I could get the weapons right and, and that's the thing. So that I got the feel of the game. There uh, there's no plot line in the game uh, that's in the book. Um, they are very different. Uh, the the things that did go back and forth were. Uh, things like, um, well, as I say, the sort of weapons. There, there is a list of weapons, so I picked some of some of those for the book. So if you are playing the game, you'll recognise the weapons from the book and vice versa. But you don't have to play the game or read the book to do the other. Um, the sorts of things that crossed over were really the general feel. Um, there's a great sense in the game that that, that Delta Squad really look, look after each other. They are very close-knit. If one of them gets hit, uh, uh, one will stop and look after him and things like that. And there's a real feeling of comradeship in it. Um, some, of the, some of the catchphrases from the book have gone into the game. Uh, Phi... Uh, I'm, I'm, if you've if you read the book you might have come across this five favourite phrases that'll make their eyes water and when I heard that in the game I just fell about laughing because it was lovely it really came to life <laughs> for me cool so um, the the feel of the game is very much the feel of the book and uh, one of the things is the the description of what 
the commandos see when they put their visors on is very much what you see when uh, you put the visor on in the game and things like that. So I try to stick to that as far as possible. There are things obviously in the game that if I'd stuck to them rigidly would not have worked in the book because there are things you have to do in a game that really don't fit lit, uh, you know, sort of a literary form. But uh, they definitely they definitely feel like they're all part of the same family. There's a sort of very uniform feeling. You can move from one to the other and, and, and know where you are. Cool. Okay. Uh, one of the, uh, the actual little catchphrase that comes back quite often in the book, and uh, both me and Danny were wondering if it was going to be in the game, is P for Plenty. I'm not sure, because I haven't listened to the whole game. Um, one thing you do hear is, uh, right at the start, you actually hear Delta Squad hearing uh, that Darman's uh, squad, uh, Theta, the ones who are mentioned in the prologue of the start of the book, have been, have been lost. So you hear things like that. Whether, whether P for Plenty is in, I'm not sure. It, uh, I, I, would, I would like to think that it is, but uh, as I, say, I haven't heard the whole game all the way through. There's an awful lot of game. There's a lot of different scenes, and although I was there for a couple of hours, I didn't go through the whole lot, although I would really have liked to have done. <laughs> <laughs> but they, they, they almost had to sort of drag me out, out at the end. It's only because I had another meeting to, to, to go to that I dragged myself from the screen. <laughs> okay. Um, all the way through the book, when you read it, the pace or the rhythm of the book is very smooth. Uh, all the way to the end, and even where we actually do get to the end, where they have to go through that mission, it doesn't even go through a much quicker pace. Uh, was the pace of the book based on a personal experience? Uh, no, I mean, that, that's the sort of pace I normally give a book. Um, bearing in mind that the, the whole mission is no more than, a, than sort of two or three days. So... Uh, so it is fairly fast moving. They've got to cover a lot of ground in in those in those three days. As you know, it all goes hideously wrong. Nothing. They're, they're not they're not set down where they should be. None of the none of none of the things that they've been told uh, are, turn out to be true. Uh, certain buildings are not what what they think they are. So they're so they're pretty well thinking on their feet the whole time. Um, one of the things that I do try to do is uh, I have a very simple clear, fast style. Uh, I took a definite decision to do this some time back. One of the problems with being a, a sort of journalist and a sort of pro-writer, because I've been a, I've been a journalist, I've been a script writer, I've, I've done, you know, I've, I've basically earned my living through many, many different kinds of writing, and I can mimic any style. I could have done any style. And when I started writing fiction, I thought, well, I'm not sure what my own, own voice is. I don't know what my own style is going, going to be. Uh, and I talked this over with uh, tutors on sort of writing courses, and I eventually thought, no, what I'm going to do is actually effectively do docudrama. Uh, mm -hmm. I wanted to have such a, a simple style that the reader uh, is, uh, doesn't notice what they're reading. They don't notice the style. I always feel that if, if you notice a writer's style, if it's a very literary, very florid style, then I... Then I if, if that were me, I would feel that I'd fail because I don't want them to look at the writing. I want them to think, I know what that character feels, I'm in that character's head, I'm experiencing what they're experiencing. And I think that carries them through. So I've gone for a very simple, very clean, fast, 
uh, sort of journalistic style, basically to carry people through because I, I, I don't want them to notice what, what I'm writing. I want them to notice what the character is seeing. And I do a very tight third-person POV, as done for technical terms, of being right in the character's head. And if you actually think about the way you individually see the world when you're thinking about things, the sort of thoughts that go through your head are pretty simple. You don't think in, in very literary terms. You don't think in sort of poetic language. You're thinking in very basic terms. And I think that's one of the things that helps me build characters is that I do try and keep it very here, here and now and very vivid. And that tends to lend it uh, pace because what I don't like to do is to go off and do info dump, as we writers call it, which is have a page of explaining what something is. I just try and get it in in one line because I just want to keep that moving the whole time. Cool. Okay. So, you might say that you brought a few personal military personal experience into hard contact. Uh, what I what I tended to put in, I mean, it's always very difficult if you've if you've been someone who's seen uh, what, what I call the real side of it, and then you've got to deal with the fiction side of it. I've said to a few people, if I'd written a really accurate novel on special forces, it would have been five lines long. And uh, I always say it's, it's, it's basically four lines of dialogue, which is uh, the enemy wandering out onto the airfield and saying, didn't we have some fighters here last night? And someone's saying, uh, yeah, uh, did, did you hear something? No. Oh, right. And they're all blown up, and that would be it. Because you really do not see these guys come in, and, and uh, often shots are not fired. Now, clearly, uh, you're not going to get paid by Del Rey if you just turn in five lines. Mm -hmm. So... I took a little bit of uh, sort of license with it. For example, the scene where uh, Darman decides to break cover and go and shoot um, Gez Hogan's thug because they're setting fire to this barn and uh, you know, killing the farmers. Uh, I would think in real life no, no special forces chap would break his cover, uh, I mean, however badly he, he, he wanted to. That was not the sensible thing for Darman to do. But for the book, he actually, you know, it actually helped the plot move it along. Mm -hmm. So I've bent it in, in an awful lot of places. Um, the attitudes and the opinions of the troops are very much drawn from the many conversations and many interviews that I've done with soldiers from, well, pretty well every world war, really. Um, I've spoken to First World War veterans, uh, Second World War, Falklands, uh, you know, Korea, and there is a definite voice that comes through from them and it's not what you what i normally see in military fiction um soldiers that i've spoken to and you know sailors and airmen too uh they're they're not fond of killing it is not a hobby it's something that they have to do when they have to do it but they'd rather not and this whole feeling of you know basically just getting the job done and not really taking any pleasure in it and just really wanting to go home uh, it's something that I wanted to get over. Even though these guys are clones and they have been bred to fight, they are still human beings, and they really, you know, they really don't get any sort of bug out of killing. Uh, and I, 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 so I wanted to be true to the, you know, to the many servicemen I've spoken to, who, who basically say war is a nasty, dirty business, and nobody would want to do it unless they had to do it. Yeah. Okay. Um. This question was actually le leading to this other question. At one point, Niner goes screaming for his Sarge in, or in order to save his life. Is that yes. something that you took out of a personal war experience? Um, one of the things that I've heard from uh, field medics and that I've heard from many soldiers is, is uh, and it is quite har har harrowing to hear, uh, 
is that uh, badly in injured men very frequently call for their mothers. Mm -hmm. Great big tough soldiers, when they are very badly hurt, will often cry for their mothers. Uh, I heard that so many times from uh, from soldiers, and I actually found that very moving. But what particularly uh, got me with the clones is when I got to that point, I thought, he hasn't got a mother, and the nearest he's got to family is his sergeant. And I actually found that quite painful to write, but... Um, that's that's very much uh, something that you hear from you know from servicemen. Again, it's not the sort of thing that tends to get reported uh, very much on TV news, and it's also not the sort of thing that goes into into fiction very often. But uh, I felt that I, it felt that that's something that I really badly wanted to get in because it just shows it just basically shows how bad war, war can get. Um, although I write military fiction, I'm certainly not in the business of, of, of saying that war is a great and a glorious thing, because it clearly isn't. And if we could get the world sorted without them, the need to bear arms, then it would be great. Uh, obviously it's not, otherwise we wouldn't be in the state that we're in today, but, um, but I certainly do not want to glorify it, and I really never want to lose sight of the fact that, you know, that, uh, that people get killed and that even one uh, soldier's death, that is the death of somebody's loved one. So you basically represent yourself with Etain in the book, right? Uh, not really. I, I, funny, I, had, I had a very strange relationship with, with her when I was write, writing her because um, um, uh, the whole Jedi thing, although I understood it, I sort of thought, well, you know, she, can, she, can, she can do all this stuff with the Force. I mean, just how, you know, just how much use is she? These guys have had to work hard to get where they are, and she can just do all this sort of the psychokinetic stuff. Uh, so it's this, this sort of, this sort of uh, um, uh, force um, manipulation of things. And I started off thinking, well, she's not an awful lot of use. And she gradually grew on me. But the reason she grew on me, really, was because she actually learned from them. She actually did stuff a lot via the hard route. Uh, um, I'm not sure how she feels about what. Uh, the whole thing about her is that I think she, you know, she knows how to use the lightsaber, but she has to realise when it happens to her that one day she may have to use it to kill someone. And she comes across her first, um, her sort of first time when she actually kills someone, and she finds it very hard to deal with. But but she does deal with it, and she does go on because uh, she's next to Darman, and Darman's saying. If you don't do it, then they're going to kill you. So get on mm -hmm. with it. And I think that's very much the attitude is that uh, you know, uh, the sort of prevailing uh, mindset that I hear from soldiers is that um, they don't particularly want to go out, and someone, go, go out and kill someone, but they will definitely shoot back if someone's shooting at them. Mm -hmm. Okay. While we read the book Hard Contact, we can identify with almost ev well with every member of Omega Squad, Aten, Darman, Fee, and Niner. Was this something you were going for while writing the book? Uh, sorry, well, what do you mean to actually get the readers in, is to, uh, to actually feel some, some, something, something for the commandos? Yeah. Yes. Oh, well, oh yes, yes. Very, very much so. Um, yeah. I, I, I basically wanted the reader to, uh, to know what it felt like to put that helmet on and then go out and fight. I wanted them to know that these were, you know, that these were in, individual men... Um, and how they dealt with it, because this was basically their first special ops mission. They'd only done one previous uh, mission, and 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 that and that was on and that was on Geonosis. Mm -hmm. This is the first time they've gone out as special forces, even though they've trained and trained and trained for ten years. The first time they've done it, and they are frankly scared. 
Um, they're not entirely sure whether the things that they've done um, uh, during training are actually going to stand in good stead when they do it for real. So I really wanted the I wanted the reader to really care what happened to them. And you succeeded, right? I think. Mm. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> it was it was really heartwarming. Um, we have a very funny question for you. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully we were right. <laughs> um, is Darman called Darman because he's basically the doorman of the squad? <laughs> no. Uh, actually, there's, <laughs> there is an interesting story behind that. Um, <laughs> when I was doing the outline for the book for Del Rey, um, when I put characters in the outline, I normally like to give them names. Uh, I sometimes will change those names in, in, the, in, the, in the book for real, but rather than have, for example, in this case, clone A, clone B, clone C, clone mm-hmm. D, I thought, no, I've got to give them names. And I had a book on my desk, which is uh, about the SAS, and it was written by a, a chap called Peter Darman. So when I was trying to do the out- outline, I just put in Darman and a few other names as, as a sort of marker, and I, I fully in- intended to, to change them later, but... By the time um, Del Rey had seen the outline, then Darman had sort of stuck. So it's actually taken off the spine of a book. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there's, there's a sort of long, long and honourable tradition in writing of actually doing this because uh, Conan Doyle got Sherlock Holmes's name off of a book spine. <laughs> so, um, so, if it's, so if it's good enough for him, it's good enough for me. <laughs> <laughs> I actually did that in the fan fiction. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I honestly planned to change it. I really did, but but by the time the out, uh, the outline had gone to them, everyone was referring to Darman, it, it, and it just stayed there. Cool, and it just happens to stick very well with the character. <laughs> <laughs> Now, sometimes in a scene, uh, the the scene will be described to us in a very clear and perfect way, but other will leave us looking through a fog, a fog of war. Some would even say. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you think that's actually the case? Yes. Um, it's very interesting. If you talk to two people who've been in the same battle uh, from very, very similar places, uh, they both have totally different view- views of it. Um, nobody has perfect knowledge of of, uh, of war. Um, when you're actually in com- combat, um, there are a number of things. One, you don't see the whole back battlefield. Uh, two, uh, your, your perception of time is very changed. Um, This is uh, a sort of physical reaction. When you're under stress, uh, certain part, parts of your brain, that, uh, the sort of parts that, parts that notice the passage of time, shut down. It is the more primitive part, parts of your brain that are driving you to run forward uh, and to do things. And one, one of the common things that you hear from soldiers who've been in combat is that they really weren't sure how long something took. They could look at their watches and say, well, I know, I, I know that only took 10 minutes, but... Sometimes it will seem like it was seconds. Sometimes it seems like the sort of second lasted for hours. And they've got this very strange feeling about they're not sure how long something took to happen. Mm-hmm. Also, they tend to notice some details and not others. It's just one of these things when you're exposed to something very, very stressful. You, uh, there are certain things that stick in your mind and other things you do not notice. Um, I mean, one, one of the things you often don't notice is, uh, is how badly hurt you are. Um, I've heard this from so many uh, soldiers um, that they don't realize that they've been hit very badly until they, they wonder why they feel wet, and it's their blood. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, there are all sorts of strange things that the body does when you're under stress and when you're in- injured that just totally change the, the, the view you have of, of, of what's happening to you. That's true. And sh- you, you actually pictured that very well at the end of the book uh, with the Mandalorian bad character, which I'll ask you to actually tell us the name. But yes, Gaz Hoken. Gaz, okay. So it's yeah. I w- at one point, Gaz Hoken is actually wondering how bad he's been hit. Yeah. And he just touches and he's like, okay, it's only plasma, it's not blood. So. <laughs> uh, but speaking of Gaz Hoken, uh, yeah. what does the Mandalorian curse decup means? Um... <laughs> yeah, you, you can see it um, on the um, <laughs> um, A four-letter four four word, maybe? It, it means a foolish person. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's the most uh, polite way that I can put it. Uh, yeah, we had a lot of fun with the Mandalorian language. Um, the guy who wrote the music for, for Repcom the game, uh, Jesse Harlin, um, he actually wrote the lyrics to all the uh, songs and chants that are on the game soundtrack. And... It is utterly um, amazing. He actually played them for me when I was at LucasArts. And they really do make the hair on the back of your neck stand up. They are so powerful. There's this men's choral uh, music, and it is just breathtaking. Uh, when I was writing uh, the, the, the book, Ryan Kaufman said, do you want to see the lyrics? Would these lyrics help? And I looked at it, and I thought, I can take bits of that, and I can start to develop this language a bit further and you know, get some swear words and things <laughs> out of it. And uh, Jesse was really pleased to see that. So when I saw Jesse, we had a, a sort of little sort of fanish session because I think he's great, and he was very pleased with what I've done. And, and uh, he actually gave me the music score with all the lyrics on and signed it for me, which was wonderful. Um, uh, it, it, it would be it would be nice to see a sort uh, to, to to see to see the Mandalorian language sort of as widely used as Klingon. <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's my aim. <laughs> Maybe we'll see it someday. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that would be good. <laughs> okay, especially in the context, you know, that word was very vague. <laughs> yes, it's one of the problems. I mean, um, I say problems. Um, when you're writing an adult book, and it is a very a- ad- adult book, and it doesn't uh, sort of uh, uh, pull any punches about violence, and uh, yeah, we we got one of the villains is a rapist. I mean, that's about as dark as it gets. But you have to do a book that's also suitable for quite young readers, mm-hmm. uh, because I mean, no parent will want their will wants their teenage uh, son or daughter to be reading stuff with foul language in it. One of the things about my own titles is that I do use pretty basic uh, language in City of <laughs> uh, and crossing the, 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 the line. But clearly, that's not appropriate for Star Wars, and uh, and there, there are ways that we get around it, and it's by using other words. So I think from the context that it's but we're not using foul language, and obviously there are Star Wars words that you have that you, know, that you have to use that go with the style sheet, you know, like permacrete and things. Mm-hmm. But um, having having said that, um, I I had total free reign with how I wrote it. Um, I mean, lots of my friends in the UK say, "Oh, I bet they made you sort of dumb it down or make it Americanized." And I said, "No, no, no, actually they didn't." Uh, they let me write what I, want, what I want, wanted to write, you know, subject to odd words like permacrete. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, Gear was the one that got me because all, all through the manuscripts I had done, uh, every time they were referring to Gear, they were actually saying kit. And mm-hmm. uh, if anyone knows soldiers, say the German in the UK, they say kit, and kit is the most ubiquitous word in the sort of the service personnel's language. Mm-hmm. But for, for, for Star Wars purposes, we had to change that to gear throughout. But apart from that, I mean, we're talking about individual words. Um, 
there was nobody saying, well, no, you've, you've, you've got to write that uh, um, in, in, in an Americanized way. They just let me write the way I normally write in, in my other books. That's nice. Very nice liberty to have. Mm. Um, did you chose a Mandalorian villain especially to make him confront the origin of the clones? Yeah, um, I, I must admit, I, 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 had, had a, I had a bit of a soft spot for them, and I was really very, very... Um, um, I was basically I was gutted when poor old Django got got killed in the movie. So I thought <laughs> there is a waste of, of of a sort of really great character, and I was uh, and I was really quite in, into the whole thing. And uh, I thought, well, yeah, Ryan and I sort of kicked it around, and, and I said we, you know, I, I could I, I could do with a really complex villain. So we settled on some, on something like Gez Hogan. The thing about Gez is that he's torn by what he sees. Um, all right, he's got no, no no particular fondness for Django Fett because of, uh, of the whole Death Watch thing. And, uh, but, you know, he's still very proud of what he is. He's proud of his heritage. And he hates to see the way uh, uh, Django's genes have been used to, to make what he sees as cannon fodder. He's, he's broken by it. And what I wanted was also a... I mean, one of the things that I do, uh, my heroes and my villains are not black and white. The heroes do bad things and the villains do good things because that's the way real life is. And I really liked Gaze and I felt very sorry for him. I had a lot of sympathy for the way he dealt with the rabble that he was looking for him. So um, uh, I thought one of the things that would be nice is what, what really brought him down wasn't the fact that he was a bad guy, was that he had a sense of honour. And it was purely the fact that he was trying to do the decent thing and uh, sort of finish off um, um, Nina in this in this in this sort of honourable way that mm -hmm. basically it ended up losing his head yeah now even in the beginning at the acknowledgements uh, for the book uh, you actually brought up the camouflage problem of the clone commandos oh yeah now <laughs> wh why couldn't you change the color of their armor since black armored stormtroopers actually exist in the expanded universe well, we we, we, had, we hadn't got round to the black armored ones yet, but I I, I I sort of kept saying around Ryan, do they have to be this color? And he said, yeah. If you actually look at the stormtroopers, he said, they, they they are white. You know, you have to deal with this. And he said, in the in the game, the actual commanders are sort of like a sort of vaguely shiny silver, but it's still very light colored. Uh, what I wanted was a sort of broken pattern because that's what you really need. Um, mm -hmm. That's what I was really going for, and um, and I said it isn't going to fit. Fit the, fit the continuity so I thought no fine I can, I can handle that and it actually gave me that whole storyline that these guys turn up and they're in this mission that they're not really kitted out, out for and they just they just show up in the, in the landscape they were hoping to be sort of taken straight to the, uh, to the target and then they'd come out again and they wouldn't have to go cross country so, but, so they, they have to think on their feet and smear themselves in mud and dung and a bit of grass and things like, like, like that and it was also a sort of running joke about, um, and I, I think this is one, one thing that sort of um, hit home with a lot of uh, servicemen who read the books. I've had a lot of e e emails from, from ex-soldiers and serving soldiers saying that was spot on, is that a lot of the kit they get does not do what they're told it will do. And they're always saying, when I get back, I am going to be so mad about this. Because that happens. I mean, guns don't work. They don't have, have the right wet weather gear. All this stuff really happens. And um, it, so it was sort of it was it was handy to have that as a running joke. I think if they if if they Ryan said yeah fine go and go and make the armor 
sort of you know camo green or, or, or something. I think I would have lost a lot of the, uh, of, the of the sort of richness in the plot there. So, so I'm glad that he made me stick with the sort of pale pale silver armor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, you created the planet Quilura, including its flora and its fauna. Mm-hmm. What inspired you to create the new planet, and will we see Quilora in the game Republic Commando? Uh, the planet isn't in the game. That was a one-off for the book. Um, what had happened was, I had when I, when I, when I started this, I thought, where am I going to put this? So Ryan and I were looking at a map, and he said, well, you could try this planet or that planet. And I said, what I really need is something where nobody else has been, that is so far off the beaten track, um, that, that, the, that the separatists would feel confident in sticking uh, a sort of research base there and thinking nobody would find it. Um, so I said, well, you know, can I do my own? He said, yeah, sure, you know, stick in another planet. So I just started from scratch, really. Cool, okay. And the shapeshifters that were original, originated from that planet, mm. the natives of Quillora, are, the sa- are they the same species of shapeshifter that we see in the Attack of the Clones, Amwezel? No, no, they are they are totally new. Um, I, I basically had to I had to get the nod from uh, from Lucasfilm for that because they were a new sentient species. Um, no, they they are they are totally new. Uh, what they're like in their natural state, I suppose they're more like a sort of they're something like an otter on long legs. If you can imagine something like that, they're very black and shiny, uh, and and they and they are carnivores. Um, when they change shape to hunt, then they can basically mimic anything. So, no, they're 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 not the same as they're not the same as the claudites. I think are, are the are the ones in the movie. Um, no, they are they are new and they are totally different. Okay. Okay. Uh, what would be your comments about human cloning? Sorry. What are your comments about human cloning? What what me personally? Yes. Um. Well. Um. I mean, obviously, I've got my own views, but they're not something that I'll that I'll put in the book. Um, the, the the one thing I would say, and I think I have said in interviews, is that the thing that really motivated me when I was looking for some sort of uh, handle on the on the book was uh, that the Republic was supposed to be the good guys, but they were breeding men to die. And I think once that had, well, once the penny had dropped, and I thought, well, hang on, this this isn't quite the sort of uh, you know, good guys and bad guys world. This is a very murky sort of world of world of politics. Once I got uh, that straight in my head, then I was sort of suitably uh, out, outraged, and I thought, right, I've I've definitely I've definitely got the got the motivation and the central theme of this, which is that these aren't faceless, and that that's that's the that's the dilemma that uh, Etain faces is that uh, they're, they're not all the same and they're not all faceless and now she knows them she will never ever be able to look at someone with a helmet on and, and think they're, they're just they're just cannon fodder so uh, I'll I'll admit to that uh, sort of uh, personal motive writing the book but I wouldn't want, want to be drawn on, on, on the on, on the whole thing about cloning I mean, um that there are, I've got many, many strong views, and I, and I sort of try to keep them out of my books as far as possible. <laughs> That's okay. Every chapter uh, in Art Contact begins with a small paragraph, mostly yeah. giving us insights on the psychology of war and clones. Where did that idea came from? I think this must go back to uh, when I was reading, when, when I was a kid in the 70s, um, the, the epigraph, uh, I mean, that, that is 
what they're called. Um, I think I must have read it in one of the authors that I was very fond of at the, at the, at the time. And I must admit, I've been looking through books trying to work out which original book I'd got this from. But it just struck me as such a good way as to sort of set up what's to follow. Uh, the nice thing about an epigraph is that uh, you can give the reader a lot of information very quickly without having to spend pages on it. Uh, you can let them know what's going on in the heads of, of people who haven't got a point of view character in the book. Uh, you can give them uh, information that the characters in the book don't know. So it's a really useful tool. I even use it in short stories. and um, I've used it in City of Pearl and in and in crossing the, the line. So I, I basically am now using it in all, in all my fiction. Cool. Hmm, that's very good. Uh, one of those paragraphs actually quoted a retired trooper at a yeah. veteran center. How do you see the life of a clone trooper after the war? Can they do anything else than fight? Can they cook? Can they get into relationships? <laughs> uh, funnily enough, this, uh, I, I spent a lot of time thinking of this. Um, I'm not entirely sure uh, what they can do when they're no longer fighting. Uh, one of the things about people who are even in real, real life who are totally trained to do one thing is that if you take that one thing from them they become uh, really quite 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 directionless now I've already seen situations where you know, when people leave the army they don't always fit back in, into, in, into, into, into civilian life um, I mean most most uh, service personnel come out of the service and, and settle into in, into civilian life really very very e easily but a certain proportion don't and they do find it very hard and they and they they miss the structure that they miss the comradeship all those sorts of things it's going to be about a, a million times worse for a clone because they have no biological family they have never known anything other than fighting so if they are going to come out then someone's got to do some work on them and really give them some some other purpose because they they are they are totally target driven and they are totally bonded to their to their to their army or to their squad uh, and that will make life uh, normal life very very hard for them so I could see that uh, a lot of them wouldn't like it a lot of them would would, would want not to re really really sort of survive that way because they, they, they couldn't really relate to other people terribly well and it's one of the things that I'd like to look at uh, if, if I ever do it and, and this is a big if, uh, if, if if there are if there are any any more uh, the public commando stories to be done. Uh, I think that's one thing that I'd, l I'd, I'd like to look at because uh, whatever they're training, deep down they are human, and it's the conflict between um, what they're trained to do and the sort of uh, instinctive pull of normal life. I think is going to give them most problems. I can imagine, unless they were sort of reconditioned very carefully, they would actually actually be quite dangerous. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, next question is going back to Ethan, actually. Is there a particular reason for which you decided to reappoint Master Zay to her? Sorry? Is there, is there a particular reason for which you decided to reappoint Master Zay to Ethan at the end of the book? Right. Um, I, I wondered whether she would ever make it to being a knight. Uh, and, I, and I thought she had too much, too much unfinished business, really. Um, uh, she... She actually cares more about what happens to the squad than what happens to her. I think that's that's her that's her number one feature. Um, she she might not be very good at at fighting wars, but she has got one thing that thing that is absolutely vital for anyone who's in charge of 
truth and that is she cares she really cares what happens to them she she will she will put her life on the line for them and uh, the only way she could do that really was by um turning around to general zay and saying i'm sorry i'm not doing this <laughs> and clearly if she has not learned that level of discipline to let go um then she is not going to pass her trials so uh, i thought well you know maybe zay is the guy who needs to um, act as her master now because master Felia clearly was too much like her he was a bit hot-headed very emotional uh, prepared to dive in and fight uh, skirmishes for people who felt were being badly treated she's very much like him um, somewhere down the line she's got to learn that sort of uh, coolness she's got to learn to step back and they may be the guy to teach her that because some of the things he said at the end is that he knows how hard it is to actually send men to die and we, we, we don't learn in the book how he knows that but he clearly does know and he clearly has faced face that crisis so perhaps he, he's the best guy to help her through that stage okay. okay is there any chances that we will hear about Heaton in the future? Uh, that, will, that will depend uh, totally on whether Lucasfilm ever want any more books okay all uh, the stories um, but uh, um I've certainly left left the story uh, at, uh, at, at at such a stage where um, we could pick up on any of those characters in the future and, and see what happens to them. Okay, all right. Um, in the beginning of the book, we were introduced with the first Padawan, or actually one of Master Zay's Padawan, Juzik. Mm-hmm. Uh, what happened to him, and did he ever debriefed Omega Squad? <laughs> Uh, that is a difficult one. Um, uh, straight off the top of my head, I will I will, I will say that uh, I will say that Arden Dusek is is alive and well and still work, working with with squads. Um, I wouldn't like to be drawn yet as to whether he uh, gets to debrief them. Okay. That, that 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 might or might not be something for the for the future. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry to be cagey. It's just that every obviously I've been asked so many times, will there will there be more books? And I have to say I don't know, and that's entirely down down to Lucasfilm. Okay. Well, another question in that same line: Can you tell us what will happen to Omega Squad? <laughs> um, I I would I would like to think that they have a uh, relatively long and. Uh, and a busy but happy life. <laughs> I should just do that. I, I, should, I should just gloss over that one. Mm-hmm. But clearly, clearly, um, that, as, I, as I've frequently said, they're my lads, and I really do care what happens to them. So um, I'd like to think that think that they have a future. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but do you have like a, a story planned in your mind uh, to what happened to them? Oh yeah. Uh, I mean, one, one of the things when when I write any of my books. Um, I need to know what happened to the characters before they came into the books and I need to know uh, what happens to them after the book ends that's just the way I am because that's one of the really useful things um, that uh, I learned at Clarion is that uh, you need to know sorry this this is something that an author called Maureen McHugh taught us Maureen said you need to know when you've got your characters on stage what what happens when they walk off stage because that's what gives them their depth uh, gives them the whole life so yeah I've I've certainly got an idea in my own head what happens to them all cool we hope to maybe Lucasfilm uh, giving you another 
like a Republic Commando series or something <laughs> would be nice. Well, um, that would yes, I would uh, I would like that, but uh, yeah, we will, we will, we will see what happens. <laughs> Do you think there are any chances that we will see any Republic Commandos in Episode Three? I honestly don't know. I honestly don't know. I've only seen a trailer, um, and I, I, I would suspect that that's the trailer that everyone else has seen. So mm-hmm. I honestly don't know that level of detail. Okay. Um, we're introduced to a character vaguely because he's not actually present in the book, but very often referred to. Uh-huh. Uh, was was Cal Skirata inspired by someone you knew? You, you knew was he your your commanding officer or your training officer? No, um, he's a, he's a sort of com- composite of various uh, sergeants that I've met and uh, and my. And my father's various sergeants, because my father did uh, spend time in the army, um, and uh, I've sort of taken some some of the some of the elements of these people that I've known, the sort of things that make them sergeants. I mean, sergeants are the sort of backbone of, of the army, um, and the training sergeant is is, is a sort of very form, formative figure. Um, some of the uh, service personnel who's written to me say that you know, they they have picked up on the sergeant, particularly really like the sergeant because they had a sergeant like that, and sergeants do have a sort of very formative role. Um, the training sergeant that I had when I was in the TA was the most mild-mannered, soft-spoken man you can imagine. <laughs> he was so un- unlike Cal, you wouldn't believe it. So no, he's definitely not not the not the sergeant that I had. Definitely not. Okay. <laughs> Okay, uh, we're talking about the acknowledgments at the beginning of the book. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us a little bit more about Ryan Kaufman, who seems to be well? He's the uh, chronology guy, chronology keeper uh, of LucasArts. Yeah, that's it. Yes, yeah, yeah. No, Ryan, Ryan was wonderful. Um, I, I suppose I, I sort of spent most of my time working with Ryan. Uh, once I turned in the outline to um, to uh, to Stuart at Lucasfilm and uh, Shelley at, at Del Rey. Uh, then I was pretty well working uh, exclusively with Ryan. Ryan was uh, uh, not only the guy that said to me, uh, "Yeah, if you want something to do that, then then a sort of Verpine shatter gun could be a, a sort of good idea." He was also the guy who spoke to the games people direct and said, "Well, Karen's doing this. You know, can you tell her that? Can I have that picture?" So he was a sort of um, he, he, he was he was a sort of uh, middleman between me and the and the, and the games people, and uh, it was very nice to meet the games team at, at last because I sort of vaguely knew what they did because I I sort of get little questions. Ryan Ryan would say, "Oh, the games guys are asking, what do you do when there's a man down?" Because they're looking at how they deal with man down, and so he he was he he was he was my conduit into the game. Um, he was terrific because he was available 24/7 pretty well. Um, which I, which I, I thought was well well beyond what he was paid, paid to do, but he was very enthusiastic, very patient. However many stupid questions I asked him, uh, he would um, answer them. Remember, I knew I literally knew nothing about Star Wars when I started this. Apart from seeing the movies, I had not read a single book. I had, okay. uh, I I wrote Republic Commando cold. Everything I got I got from him in terms of checking the continuity. So I was entirely reliant on what he gave me, and uh, he, he did a really good job, and I'm really grateful to him. Okay. Uh, we have a question here from Sal from uh, from the chat, 
and uh, you would like to know any chance that you'll introduce your own powerful female character that will play an important role in expanded universe as a whole. Um, at this stage, I couldn't say, but uh, one of the things that uh, people who've read my other titles will know is that I do go for very strong female characters. <laughs> so Wonder <that's> why. <laughs> uh, um, although I've not really sorted out um, my characters for the for for the post NJO series yet, um, uh, I wouldn't rule out a strong character, uh, a strong female character. If if I write a if I write a female character, then I'll make her very real. Great. Okay. Um, any question? Uh, any comment on the prequel movies up to now? And what are your expectations for episode three? Um, I have a feeling that episode three is uh, going to be amazing. Uh, the bits that I've seen so far uh, were really very, very good. Um, uh, Attack of the Clones, the first time I saw it, um, I, I wasn't really sure what I was seeing. Then I did some of my uh, background research for Republic Commander, and then I watched it again, and I got totally hooked on it and I was uh, I, I must admit all I could think of was uh, was what was going to happen to the clones I got so totally involved with them by that stage <laughs> and there's a, a shot at the end where Padme is in the gunship and she falls out with one of the clones and all I could think was nobody's going to help that clone why is nobody seeing what's <laughs> happened to this man <laughs> um, so uh, I, I, so that's I, I, would, I think so far that one's my favourite one um Phantom Menace, well, I mean, there's no clones in it, so... <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Okay. Um, do you follow Episode 3 spoilers? Sorry? Do you follow the Episode 3 spoilers? Any leaked no. information? No, I've, I've uh, tried to steer clear of that, except where I'm told uh, um, by Lucas on what I need to know in order to write some of the stuff, so... So um, I'm, ra I'm rather hoping to sort of go to it as, as sort of cold as I can, rather, um, you know, so I can get the full I impact of it. Okay. Um, now here comes the implant throbbing question. <laughs> can, mm. you, can you tell us a little bit about your involvement in the post-NGO project with Troy Denning and Aaron Alston? Right. Well, this is uh, this is ob obviously obviously going to be very very top secret, and my uh, Lucasfilm chip is uh, is uh, sort of ticking woman <laughs> <laughs> fashion at the moment. Um, we had a meeting up at the ranch a couple of weeks back to actually plan this out, and yes, we did plan out nine books, um, and yes, we are working on the outlines now, and uh, it's going to be uh, quite a series. Oh, can't wait. Two, five, and eight. Um, so my my first one comes out. Uh, let's have a think. Um, I think September two thousand and seven. Sorry, no, September two thousand. Hang on. <laughs> I, sh I should have to look look this up because yeah. I know I know when it when the when the dates were originally given. Mm -hmm. uh, they had, uh, on the on the message board they slipped by a year, but. My last one comes out March 2008, so working backwards, June 2007 is the hardback, number five, uh, which means September 2006 is the first of the paperback, which is okay. number two. Right. So you, you will... That, yes, that sounded quite... quite uh, back, back, to, back to front, but it's probably easier if I work from the end, end one to the, to the first okay. one. Um, it's actually going to be uh, epic. 
of a better word, I think it's very much the sort of um, you know, uh, large-scale large epic uh, story arc. Mm. Uh, we we had a lot of fun doing it, and we all came out of the room at, at the end of the day feeling quite wrung out. So yes, it's going to be um, uh, thrilling stuff. Yeah. Mm. Can't wait. <laughs> all right. <laughs> And uh, other than the NGO books, are there any characters that you would like to expand, explore, develop some more? Uh, might we see further adventures of Ethan, Omega Squad, a company in the Republic Commando series? Anything? Um, as far as post in, in NGO series goes, um, I, I definitely have some characters in mind, but I'm being very cagey about saying who I'm going to use because, uh, yeah, obviously, I don't, I, I don't want to get people's hopes up. And sometimes characters go in books and then they come out again because certain things don't fit. But um, um, I'd like to think that I, uh, that uh, you know, the, 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 apart from the uh, apart from the big names, obviously, uh, that there will be some characters uh, that, that people will be glad to see back. And uh, I might even come up with some new ones. Cool. Okay. But as I say, I, I, I'm at the outline stage at the moment, so anything could happen. All right. Uh, now it's time for the infamous Star Wars on direct liner. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, I don't know if the, if Danny sent it to you. Yes. The line for uh, uh, ISS Karen Travis and. Oh yes. Yeah. Okay. So you can go ahead. We're gonna do this two times. So okay. just go ahead when, uh, whenever when you feel like it. Okay, I'll do it in three. Hi, this is Karen Travis, author of Republic Commando Hard Contact, and you're listening to Star Wars on Direct. That's cool. Maybe a bit slower for the second one. Hi, this is Karen Travis, author of Republic Commando Hard Contact, and you're listening to Star Wars on Direct. That's pretty good. Good. That's very nice. Uh, is there anything else that you'd like to uh, promote before we actually go to our short musical break? Oh, just to say, um, if anyone's uh, uh, now reading my other titles, which are City of Pearl and uh, and The Crossing the Line, the uh, third one in that series is out uh, November 2005, and uh, I've been working on outlines for three more books in that in that series. Wow. With the NGO series, you will be pretty busy. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yes, I'm certainly not going to get an awful lot of sleep in the next three three, three years, but I'm uh, but I'm, I'm I'm obviously very very pleased to be doing it, and uh, uh, I've certainly been absolutely delighted by how kind fans have been to me. Uh, I wasn't expecting that. Uh, they they don't know me from Adam. Um, I'm a totally unknown writer. Uh, they've been incredibly patient with me. I've had some lovely uh, e- e- emails. I've had some nice comments on the boards, and people have made me very, very welcome. I'm really grateful for that, because uh, one of the things that I, I think it's sometimes easy to lose sight of is the fact that uh, uh, you're actually wor- working for readers. You're working for fans. They're the ones who pay you wages. So uh, I'm very grateful for their, for their very warm welcome. Yeah, thanks a lot. Star Wars fans are great. <laughs> <laughs> yes, 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 I definitely are. I sort of hope to see as, see as, see as many as I can. Uh, um, I'm going to, uh, to, to Celebration 3. Oh, great. Um, so if, if, if anyone uh, wants to stop by and say hi, I would be very ha- happy, happy to meet people. We will uh, go and see you. <laughs> Lovely, <We're> thank you. <laughs> I'll most definitely be kneeling in front of you at one point. So. <laughs> 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 there you go. Uh, thank you very much for joining us, Karen. Uh, of course, 
of course, you, you're always welcome back to the show at any time you, you want. Um, stay on the line for the time being. Uh, for all the folks listening to us at home, I'm just going to send you out to a short musical break. We'll be listening to 07 In The Waiting, and we'll be right back on Star Wars on Direct, the voice of Star Wars fandom.
At SimpleNet, you will get, at a very reasonable cost, an advertising space for your company, a website built for you by our team of professionals, or quite simply, a space to put your personal site online. The online gamers are not forgotten. We can offer fixed prices of bandwidth, as well as solutions for turnkey pre-configured game servers. Join us at www.simple-net.ca. Legends Action Figures, the place for Star Wars figures and collectibles in Canada. Visit our website and compare our prices. We've got customers from all around the world and the best service around. Come meet the staff at our Montreal store or visit our website at www.legendsactionfigures.com. All prices in Canadian dollars. Hello, I'm Garrick Hagen, big star collider from Star Wars and New Hope. You're listening to Star Wars on Direct. And we are back on Star Wars on Direct, the voice of Star Wars fandom. And uh, I'm guessing that we're going to do something that we haven't done in a long time, oh, folks. I get to prepare for that. I don't uh, get to prepare for it. And uh, you know what? Just like launch the music whenever you can. And uh, just like get me to go, and uh, so we're just gonna keep talking, that's and talking, and, the and talking. Fo- Shut up! The, talking. Folks, the folks at home will be very happy uh, uh, of my uh, okay. of our little surprise. A surprise? Uh, yes, it's a surprise. What is it? What I'm is sure it? people what are. Is it? What is it? What is it? What is it? You're really annoying. I saw Elf. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So you go. Yeah. And then uh, we'll just go. Shoot it. Oh no! Okay, I thought you were. And we are back on the air with a phone ringing at the other hand. Who might it be? Hello? Well, other, none other than Nathan Butler. <laughs> hey, guys. How's it going? Fine. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm doing okay. Doing okay. I'm I'm finally uh, giving up on waiting for Dark Horse to finally send the, uh, the other five copies of the comic they're supposed to be sending sometime soon that I thought I would already have and uh, <laughs> taken from some of my... Stash here to finally send out the contest winners comics here. So okay, I'm bagging up and taping and all that good stuff right now. Cool. So you have some comments about our contact? Yes, yes. Um, I really liked it. It, it was uh, it was a good change of pace. It's, I always like Star Wars uh, books that do something different. You know, Shatterpoint took it in a darker uh, direction. You know, the whole New Jedi Order originally took it in a, in a darker direction. And it's always nice to see something that's sort of a change of pace that's still in the same universe that we that we realize, you know, we're not you know, we're not losing anything and we're more gaining some kind of new perspective. You know, it's like it's like any time where you're you're studying history versus actually being there for it. Mm-hmm. And it was really cool to see the the combat aspects. I think after playing I've spent probably the last two weeks just loaded down with Halo One and Halo <laughs> Um I think you know, I, I haven't had this level of anticipation for a Star Wars game in a very, very long time. I'm actually looking more forward to Republic Commando after having read the book than I am for Sith Lord that's going to be coming out. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one thing that I that I disliked, and it wasn't, I'm assuming this probably wasn't her fault, it's something that, 
that I think is becoming... I mean, I'm, I'm reading Dark Rendezvous right now, and, it's, and it seems to be taking place in there, too, is it's almost like we don't get enough time to get to know a lot of the Jedi characters. I think somebody mentioned, uh, when you guys were doing the interview a little bit ago, mentioned how you don't really get to know much mm-hmm. about the Master that dies. I think, I don't know, a part of me dislikes that because here we are, we're in the middle of the Clone Wars, and yeah, I guess, you know, it makes sense for us to be hearing about Jedi we've never heard of before, but just how many Jedi can pop out of the woodwork that we've never heard of before and we'll probably never hear of again afterwards mm-hmm. that just kind of can show up, play a story role, and vanish. You know, if the Jedi Order was, was as diverse and as big as this was, it seems like it makes it much harder to believe that it could actually be whittled down to just those scant few. Mm-hmm. But aside from that, you know, I, I really enjoyed the book, and I think may, maybe it's one of those things where if they had, since this was sort of, if I remember right, this was like a one-off deal that, that was originally made as far as the book goes, if they had done something where they were going to include other characters, they might have had to make it, you know, they, they probably wouldn't have been able to gear it as much toward the game. I mean, Ruins of Dan- Dantooine, <laughs> <laughs> that was that was based on galaxies had the same type of thing. They had to use characters completely mm-hmm. outside of what we've seen before. So maybe it was just you know something she she had to do. But I loved it. It was great. It was great seeing the characters again. I'm I'm one of those people who kind of cringes when you see anything to do with Mandalorians because you want to see it done well, not done in some way that's just you know appeasing the fanboys who want to see Mandalorians. And I think she she handled the Mandalorians very, very well. The mm-hmm. different aspects of the training and everything, what became of, of member, former members of Jango Fett's group after mm-hmm. became the Prime Clone and all that stuff. I think it was probably, as a, as a one-shot deal, it was probably one of the better one-shot Star Wars books I've read in a very, very long time. Mm-hmm. That's true. Now, uh, w- w- uh, let's talk about Dark Rendezvous a-, a little bit. You have an early copy, as we see, so... <laughs> Actually, uh... Is it, is it early? I, I thought it was. I thought the street date was was uh, a, about a week or so ago, at least down here. Are, are you sure about that? Um, uh, huh? Yeah, uh, I thought it was coming back, back in December. Uh, no, it came out here. Our local bookstore had it just a little while ago. I know that some people um, on a couple of message boards were talking about it, so maybe that a lot of places put it out early. Okay, so. Uh, I <laughs> I maybe have been too busy doing something else. Oh, well, to tell you the truth, I almost forgot about it because I, w- I was all excited. I rushed. I- I've got a planning period at, at my school, second period of the day, uh, which runs for about an hour. So during that planning period, the day that um, the novel came out, I rush out to the store. I pick up the Ewoks, the two Ewok DVDs mm-hmm. and the Droid DVD, and I'm all happy about it. And I get back home that night and realize, wasn't there something else I was meaning to get? <laughs> there was, yeah, and there was... Dark Rendezvous, which I had thought for some reason was a heart attack. It's 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 weird. <laughs> That's way to put it. I mean, it's well written in the sense that it gives us, you know, it's giving us finally insight into Yoda, into Dooku, into their relationship. It's bringing vision into it and giving us a little bit of origin on that. I'm probably about a third of the way through it, and at points it's hard to see where certain things are going. I'm sure that it all makes sense once, you know, once I the get the book is over. Yeah, free. but it's. It's spending a lot of time focusing on, A, Jedi we've never heard of and probably will never hear of again. <laughs> Same thing. And it's spending a lot of time focusing on uh, a Padawan tournament between a whole bunch of different um, youngsters, including this one going by the name of Scout, who's like 14 years old, not very attuned to the Force, very much kind of a younger version of the same type of self-doubting character 
that we got in uh, hard contact. Okay. In that case, it was someone who was doubting her own abilities to lead, mm-hmm. but was still had the force attunement, whereas this one sort of is just a youngster who, for whatever reason, doesn't have as much of an attunement to the force as she would like, so it's more of, you know, she feels like she could or should do it, but her, this, this kind of the reality of who she is is holding her back, rather than rather than being self-doubt. But it, it's good, to put it that way, it's good, it's weird. <laughs> uh, and I think, you know, I, I'd like to say that all this stuff that's going to take place right around the film, you know, Obsession, mm-hmm. that dark rendezvous, you've got the cup, the, a new thread in pursuit, the two latter Boba Fett books and all that stuff, mm-hmm. that those are going to weave together into some bigger tapestry that's better than the sum of its parts. Cool. Because the various, the last couple of Boba Fett books were good, but, you know, there's sort of a letdown to the to pursuit, I think, at least the way that a cup, the, oh, look, Boba Fett's going to be facing off with Anakin Skywalker, and they're going to be kind of buddy-buddy for a while, and <laughs> all, uh, all that kind of stuff. I'm hoping that they all weave together, and when we finally see all the story threads pulled into a knot as Episode 3 finally comes out, that we're going to just be blown away at how well the groundwork was laid forth without us even realizing it. Nice. Although, good, but weird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so now I, I have something to buy this week, something more. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay, well... It's not that bad. Just you need to hook up with some kind of deal at your bookstore. Like yeah. I've got something where you know you get a certain discount and then you can earn earn credit and whatnot. So I got the book for a buck, and for a buck it's pretty awesome. Okay, it's for a dollar. For a dollar, seven fifty, and I had an and I had like a with a discount plus this little. You've spent a hundred dollars at the bookstore, so here's a five dollar gift certificate thing. Okay. Um, oh, okay. Hey, it came out of the buck, and you know, a Star Wars book for a buck's pretty sweet. Wow. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> certainly overshadows any who the hell are all these Jedi masters popping out of the woodwork uh, thoughts that come to mind. Just go, oh, I guess fuck. What can you expect? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, thanks uh, again for uh, coming to the show. Uh, you're welcome, guys. Have a good night. Yeah, you too. You too. All right, thanks. Bye. Bye. Well, I got screwed again. <laughs> yeah, it did. <laughs> Big time. It came out on the 23rd of November. Oh, fuck, man. Yep. You could say that. But I wouldn't. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> so I have some man. moral fiber. Oh, and I was I, I was expecting an art cover. And it's a it's a It's, it's, a, a, it's, a, it's a picture back. back. Ooh. So. Oh, that that's okay. I I thought it would cost me a, another 40 bucks. <laughs> nope. So okay, I understand now why a buck, because of his rebate. He yeah, exactly. Yeah, because uh, a forty a forty dollar art cover for one buck. No, it's a yeah, paperback. Yeah, <laughs> okay. So, moving on. What are we gonna do now, Danny? Uh, uh. Well, right now we're gonna go to the secondary subject. Yes. Secondary. Like very quickly though. <laughs> Uh, basically, still have half an hour. Or so yeah, basically, it's the Jedi trial review. If you want to do it, yeah. Or if you want to, s- if you want to just like jump into the Star Wars uh, shop dot com or no, wait for I, that. I, I'll, I will try and go through my rev- my French review and translate. Okay, you know, on the fly. I'm gonna try. I'm sure you can do it. If I can take that, if I can do the hyperspace segment like that, I'm sure you can yeah, do it. Yeah, you can do it. Yeah, I am gonna try so. Okay, uh, the title of my review wa- was Jedi Trial, the book of the year, novel of the year, 2004. I really liked it. Uh, I just uh, finished the uh, Clone War series book, Jedi Trial. Jedi Trial uh, was written by David Sherman and Dan Craig, who are both 
uh, ex-military men, you know. Uh, I won't go into the synopsis, but basically Anakin goes to a planet and with uh, Nija Alcyon, the Corellian Jedi, and he's joined by the Freedom Sons and Daughter, uh, a group of local fighters to confront the Separatist invasion. That's basically it. Uh, if, like me, you like war movies, uh, strategy tactics, combat tactics, uh, interaction behind enemy, enemy lines, uh, or basically you like the Battle of Geonosis, <laughs> uh, you will love this book. Did uh, I try as a pure war novel uh, that pr proves that shows the the knowledge and experience of the two authors? Uh, by the way, uh, military tactics employed in Jedi Trial are r very modern, like modern day tactics, uh, like we could see in Iraq. Uh, you will be so, so there's ba basically a political weasel at some point who <laughs> says, you know, those troops are not in the city. They're not <laughs> in the city. <laughs> not really, but you have hostages pleading uh, on TV to their government to really uh, release me, please. You know, it's ca yeah. same kind of thing. Uh, you will be drawn into the story very quickly, and all the way through the the novel, you will be in the art of the action from the start of the invasion by the separatists until the the, the victory of the Republic. Uh, until now in the Clone Wars series, uh, most of the uh, events surrounding the, the Clone War novels uh, were surrounding the war, not really uh, diving right into the front lines uh, of war, but in Jedi Trial this is the case, you're, in the, uh, you're at the front line. Uh, of, of a big battle uh, contrary to Shadow Report and Sister's Deception uh, where the rhythm is pretty slow for the major part of, of those books Je Jedi Trial don't leave don't leave you the time to breathe it's action after action uh, uh, after that okay uh, I think the uh, the 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 book is really charged vi visually. You need a, there is it's narrative. You got a, a lot of description, and it's really narrative. There's not as much character development as in uh, Shadowborn, for example, with Mace Windu. But Anakin is really well developed. Not not as deep as it is with uh, Mace Windu in Shadowborn, but it they did a, a really good job. You can see. Uh, and I can demonstrate his uh, impulsiveness, his humor, his anger, his love, and his g great quality as a leader and a fighter. Y you you will be surprised. He's a great leader. Anakin is a great leader. Uh, there's a lot of secondary characters that are re really well developed. You, uh, I could name a few like the Rodian Grudo, Captain Slake, the pilot Urk. Armen, uh, uh, the reconnaissance soldier Odi Subu, and the color, uh, not the colored, colored, the textured villain Admiral Poor Too Neat. Uh, those 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 character uh, occupy most uh, 
most of the book, uh, the first half, be, uh, until the Republic lands on the planet uh, for reinforcement. Uh, a lot of characters from the prequel are are in in that book, but I won't say who. Just uh, pick up the book and see. Uh, I didn't mention Obi Wan, the uh, Anakin's master, simply because he's not in the book except in the prologue. In the prologue of the of the uh, of the book is sent by the Jedi Council on a solo mission, and leaves Anakin to study at the Jedi Council. He study war books and, and everything. That's where he picked up strategy. And, and okay. so Anakin is studying. I'm tr- I'm just picturing Anakin studying, going yeah. like, "What the fuck? I had to stay here. Now he's going on yeah. a fucking mission." That's <laughs> that's basically <laughs> it, and that's where he. he and then Palpatine break. <laughs> that's when he meets uh, Nija Alcyon, actually Corrin's Corrin grandfather. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> and that he meets him, and he he, he do some uh, lightsaber fighting with him to train because uh, Anakin is really good. So he, they became friends. Uh, I really like the, the the way they use Nija Alcyon. He's a he's he's a Jedi that. It's pretty much the same character as Anakin. You know, both uh, have hidden their marriage to the Jedi Council. Both of them got married in secret. Uh, Who's this? Uh, Cornhorn? Yeah, okay. grandfather uh, of Cornhorn. And basically, there's a scene where each o- they tell each other that they're secret- secretly married. You know? Hey, you know, I'm married to Padme. Oh, hey, hey I, I was, I'm married too. <laughs> so th- th- that's a cool scene. Uh, basically, the title Jedi Trial uh, is basically both Anakin and Nija are sent by the Jedi Council to the planet. Nija, basically, to prove that uh, that he he can lead because he ha- he has a he had an issue. A failure, a failure as a commander in the past, and now he's trying to redeem himself as a commander. And Anakin, basically, to prove that he has a qualification to be a Jedi Knight. So the r- that's the main theme of the title, Jedi Cross. So it's it's a trial, but for both for both characters. I won't give you more information about the different phase of the battle, the sp- the space battle or the ground battle, because. It's war basically, so you know different phase of of the war. But one thing interesting is that you see both generals on both sides of the of en- on the enemy lines strategizing to counter attack the other, and you see both strategy and how the other is, you know, countermeasuring the, the. I know you know what I mean. It's stressful, isn't it? Yeah. Because like Brian is like waving his line like go it go faster go faster. <laughs> Uh, finally, uh, everybody know that Anakin Skywalker is a Jedi Knight before falling uh, to the slipping to the dark side. Uh, the action in Jedi Trial are the action that leads uh, to him uh, to get the rank of Jedi Knight by the, the Jedi Council. So, what you read in the book, that's what the Jedi Council consider enough uh, for him to become a Jedi Knight. We, I don't think we s- I don't remember, I don't think we see the coronation ceremony or, or something, but you know that he, they're considering him as a Jedi Knight. Uh, 
So uh, I give basically the, this bo- uh, this novel ten out of ten out uh, ten out of ten. I I almost read the book in one in one in two sitting actually, but almost in one sitting. Cool. Because it was so interesting. Yeah. Just like you, you're hooked to it. And yeah, you're, you're hooked to it. it. There's action all the time, so that's cool. Personally, in Star Wars books, I like more of the Med Star books. Okay. Because I have a hard time imagining all the action. Okay. Like space battles mm-hmm. in New Jedi Order, I did not read them. Okay. I read the dialogue. Okay. The descriptions made no sense to me. <laughs> but on a ground battle, it's it you. you in Jedi, you could you could see in your mind the trench, how okay. the, the, the 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 field troops, was actually the, the troops were the displayed, and there's actually clone commandos in that cool. uh, that uh, that novel, and Anakin is commander of a 50 clone commander unit. We oui, we, oui. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's, but it's but really sorry, as uh, Sebastian, but uh, they all, all of them die. <laughs> <laughs> And, there and there's a scene uh, I, I will say the, the the only one Who got the intelligence Because they were sent to get intelligence okay. About where the troops and the weapon Are posted And uh, one of them Come back and he's hit by uh, Friendly fire By our artillery So he, he, he lost his two legs And he's, and he's crawling <laughs> he's and, 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 and just before he, he pass out, he say, oh, I can I have to break m- the radio silence to, to see the information I have. But now, he lost his radio, and he cannot turn back. Oh, shit. So, he, he dies right there. That is so not cool. <laughs> it's a really good book, man. That is so not cool. I so will so have to you read you it do now. Do you say, get the hardcover? Yeah. Oh, yeah? Okay. Yeah. It's it's actually, you know, very funny what we were talking about earlier about, like, visualizing the battlefield and everything. Especially in Republic Commando and with what Karen Travis says, like, nobody has the same vision of the battlefield. And when same we were for the readers. That's, <laughs> it, that's it, because when we were having supper, we were discussing where... We are trying of doing some uh, maquette. Uh, like, that's uh, it, a, a little uh, quick, like, display of with our glasses and everything we had, and basically at... At hands, yeah. We we w- the Sebastian glass was the communication center, and my glass was the villa or something, and we tried to put in image what we saw in our minds, and Seb and, and me just <laughs> like you switched around as a total opposite, yeah. On this other, either side, like a mirror, a mirror image of what we thought it was. There you go. So moving on, what's the next thing we're going to talk about, Danny? The Star Wars show. Star Wars show. Hey. You know what? They got the they got the T-shirts for Return of the Sith. Oh, Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, yeah, Revenge. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. And we got it too. I got it too. It was actually at the start. Uh, the basically the the team we're pushing for here is that if you're a non-US citizen, it is such it a hassle. Uh, it's an hassle, and you don't really get the best bargain all the time. If you get no bargain, especially if you buy. Uh, unique items I, I probably Imagine that If you buy uh, A lot of stuff And they ship it In the same box it's not uh, that, oh. that you know With only one shipping It could be okay I don't know I think they bend you over And pull out the lube And fuck you <laughs> And forget the lube <laughs> Because I don't know It was like what How much was the t-shirt $25 No no It was like 
15 US? It was 1699 I think. Okay. Okay. There's tax. Yeah. And then the shipping. Comes yeah. up to easily 25 yeah. or $30. For the uh, US citizen uh, listening, uh, if you ship to Canada any items, it could be stickers, like Sebastian... Stickers at four ninety nine, or... And they win nothing, okay? They, they, they you can send them in an envelope. Yeah, yes. in snail mail, you, normal mail. But for anything that goes off the border, it has to be 15 FedEx. bucks US FedEx. Period. FedEx. It's, no. an, it's an actual international charge yeah. that we are obligated to pay. And we only live across the border. Yeah. So, you know, we could actually be paying something like six bucks. Or we could no. just open up a P.O. box in the States and just have it sent to us and pay no shipping. Mm. And pay the same shipping as the States. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's just ridiculous. So, we got the, uh, the 16 bucks plus the taxes. Now, plus the duties. Yeah, and then the shipping. Now, we received the T-shirt. It's all already over uh, what, it was 20 bucks over. Yeah, and it was what? It took us what? It was the t-shirts finally shipped. About a month or something like that? Yeah, Yeah, it took, we ordered them like as soon as they came available and it took... Yeah, no, but we pre-ordered so the day that they they were shipping out, they shipped out, but it was a a long trip uh, to the East Coast and Canada. And what you know, a couple of weeks later, we received the duty. Yeah. So it's a a $7 for a 16... Dollar shirt, of Canadian. Yeah. So you know. So our shirt basically was cost us forty bucks U.S. approximately. Yep. Instead of sixteen for a t-shirt. Yeah. You know. I still haven't paid the duties yet <laughs> <laughs> because I tried to send it over the internet, but their email kept send, sending bouncing, bouncing back. Y- you know. So what? I was like. No, no, no. It's a really good story, Sebastian. Go, go, go. Because then I was like, well, I should really send it to them because it's been like almost a month and a half. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, okay, well, I'll write them up a check. So I wrote them up a check. And since I don't write checks often, I forgot to sign it. <laughs> so I post it off. <laughs> and then I get it back like to a um, couple of weeks ago. And they say, yeah, send, uh, er, like uh, sign it and send it back to this address. So I'm like, so it's like sitting, still sitting on my desk. So the other day I was joking around with Danny. I said, "Well, maybe I'll photocopy it, sign it, or like sign it, and then photocopy, and then write it, then send that to them." <laughs> it's coming. Chill out. It's okay. It's coming. <laughs> y- you know what? They will actually they will actually be very very cool, and they won't actually hassle you with that too much. It, they actually I received my first package from Star Wars shop, like a day after it was shipped out. It was uh, it was actually overnight. Mm-hmm. So I don't know why it took so long for you guys to actually receive your T-shirts. But it was no either. Yeah. But then came in the FedEx custom fees and taxes and everything, and I'm like, what the? How much what? did your stickers cost at the? I end? was about like eleven twenty two for um, uh, of FedEx charges, so it came, it came up to like forty near fifty bucks for stickers for stickers a poster and a patch and like cards, so yeah. Damn, that's not a good bargain. But it, you, it's you, really, you it's but a rip but off. Yeah, but you, you get and, and exclusive on stu- stuff on Star Wars shows. So yeah, but yeah. and on top of this, you know, they were they they say like you're gonna get a poster, a Japanese. It was a Japanese version of the Star Wars A New Hope poster. Mm. No, Return of the Jedi poster. I'm sorry. Okay. And I'm you know I'm thinking theater size poster. Now I know everything in Japan is like smaller. <laughs> 
But, like geez, if that's, if that's like, it's it's really freaking small. <laughs> if, if you if, if you ever, like, if you're one of those people who actually bought them, uh, they're not actual cinema size, they're a lot shorter than that. And I was like, what the f- I paid for that? Jeez. Mm. Okay, it's totally not worth the 10 bucks. Basi- basically, for us, just the shipping and the duty is... It's no bargain for us. No, it's cheaper to have it sent to a friend who reships it yeah. than to ship, get it directly shipped. Yeah. yeah. By normal mail. No. Like, I've ordered from the States before and never have I gotten a FedEx duties thing. Oh. This is... No. Real, it's really, like, overboard. It doesn't... It doesn't it doesn't make any sense. I won't buy again. No, me neither. You know, it's not. It's not worth it. If it wasn't from the fifty bucks gift certificate I got, I probably wouldn't. Yeah. But you could easily uh, do uh, not pirate T-shirt, but yeah, unofficial T-shirt, black T-shirt, and put the logo uh, "Revenge of the Sit on it, and you could do a couple for the price we pay for the original. Yep, <laughs> that's it. You know, that's really bad. You know. It's the same thing for the uh, celebration passes. And why? Eh. This is actually of the recourse of Gen Con LLC. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm not going to go into that. They discu- could just mail it to you. I'm not going to go into that discussion right now. I'd rather keep it for another Late. show later next year. If if Jeanette actually ever decides to do come on the show, if she actually gets permission mm-hmm. to come on the show, and I'd like to hear her side of the story. Mm-hmm. So, well basically, we're, we're considered like an international country, you know? Like, if we were far away. We're yeah. not in... Fr- it's not like freaking Vietnam. Like, we live half an hour from the U.S. <laughs> like, it's, it's not that far. <laughs> <laughs> you know? It's, it's just... It's... It's disappointing. Yeah. Because they've, we've always, I've always had no problems sh- getting from the stuff mm-hmm. in the states. Yeah. I even bought a T-shirt from Cafe Press, and I didn't have any duty on it. Any cost yeah. duty? There you go. It's, it cost me like fifteen bucks. It's that's it's really it. really sad, but there's sadly nothing they we can do. Yeah. Maybe if they they, they when I received my T-shirt, is what it was rolled up in a f- big freaking box. Yeah. Th- that's stupid. No. Just put it in a, in a s- in it well plastic bubbles. envelope. Yeah, and yeah. with bubbles. But it was well protected for the, sh- for, the for the trip. Yeah, yeah but compared to the other posters, that they've, they've totally raped. Actually, my poster came <laughs> in like in this really big and huge Where box. Were the figures that were raped? They were like, oh, probably were destroyed. The uh, collectible wow. sand troopers or clone the troopers. They were just yeah. all t- totally destroyed. Bashed. Bashed in. And they wouldn't return them. Totally non non mint. Well, it's meant for the U.S. That's sad. Anyway, on a lighter subject. Yeah. Now we now review. Now I have to tell you something first. I first started playing miniatures the day after we did the show on miniatures because I was like, you discovered this. I discovered it, and I was just like, oh my <sighs> god, I loved it. You had an epiphany. I did. I did. And I've totally gotten into the gaming world because of it. You can blame Martin. <laughs> um, I, w- I have a lot of figures, and I've spent way too, too much money on them. <laughs> way, <laughs> way, way, way. Did your way. brother split the cost, at, le- at least? He's nine years old. Oh, dang. <laughs> yeah, yeah uh-huh. about it. 
he was he he keeps telling me, why don't you spend more money on buying more? I just look at him and say, you go buy some. <laughs> it's your turn. It's your turn. <laughs> Basic, yeah, because I spent everything on them. Um, or it's all my money. I haven't spent all my money on them. I'm not that crazy. Anyway, I bought. I waited a week after the miniatures book was uh, released before buying it. Um, because I didn't have time to go buy it. But when I was in Toronto, I passed by the Silver Snail and I picked it up there. The Silver Snail? Yes. It's a gaming comics okay. gaming store. Anyway, and I, I just... I love... The layout is great. Pictures. There's so many ideas. Yeah, it's in like it. a, a, a cool magazine, actually. It, it, it is. And it's... I'd say it's like a missions. Mm-hmm. Like, in RPGs games, you get like campaign booklets. Mm-hmm. It's basically one of those... But because miniature games are smaller, they put 60 of them in. I, I, I thought it would have been an hardcover book, like the RPG book. You think so too, but the thing is that it comes with... The, you oh get yeah, a new map, map, and you get a bunch of new tiles okay. to put on the map. And you mm-hmm. get, you've got three, three or four vehicles okay. that come with... Does it cover all the maps they show in there? Yeah. Well, yeah. There are three maps that for the set presently that are mm-hmm. official. And there are all they all there are all different missions for these maps. Okay, so all the mission in there. If you take the maps or the old map and then all the the, 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 you the cutouts, them. you can you make, can make them. them. Cool. For some, my brother pointed this out that for some missions, you just have to have the complete set. Okay. And you have to have lots of backups because some of them I- it's just too hard. Uh, some of the missions are just very hard to get. Like there's one that's all the bounty hunters. Okay. They're all rares. Oh, the the one that uh, Martin told us uh, this afternoon. No, Boba Fett is with Ansel and Carbonite and all the other bounty hunters. Yes, are that one. That okay. That's when we we played that okay. one the other day. Um, some of them are j- some missions are harder to make, but they do tell you you can replace the figures. Okay. Um, I was playing with Martin yesterday, and our main the main problem with it is that the missions aren't balanced. Okay. They are very hard. It's sometimes it's just impossible to complete the game text you're for your victory conditions. Because for every mission you have victory conditions. One side or the other, mm-hmm. they have to complete some objectives. And for the rebels, it always seems like if you lose one character, one character you're, you're dead. Yeah. Like we only played one mission where you ha- if you lost this one character, you're dead. It's just some of them are so unbalanced that. The Imperials have the advantage, and they just they ki- they focus all their they focus all their fire on one guy, and still pull out the win, mm-hmm. even if they they're outnumbered. If they get one lucky shot in, boom, he's dead. Yeah. Screwed. <laughs> you just lost the mission. Okay. And it was kind of bittersweet. So okay. there's a lot of missions you have to adapt. But there's also a lot of good stuff because they do they do give you tables and stuff on how to build your own missions. And there are really a lot well of illustrated. I it, yeah, it so. is. It's very pretty, and there are these really um, cool tables. Like there's the power pack, which will give your your whichever figure that lands on it a special ability. Oh, so you can get um, like cool stuff, like critical hit on instead of ro- rolling only a critical hit on a twenty, you can roll it on eighteen, nineteen, or twenty. Oh, so you increase your chances of automatically hitting and doing double damage, which is great. Nice. Yeah. And then there are med packs, and there's a, a, you know, the portal blaster in Empire Strikes Back when the Falcon's trying to take off. Mm-hmm. They put that in. Yes. So you, yep. So you can pull that out and start blasting people. 
Um, I, re- I suggest putting Jabba behind that. <laughs> it worked really well. <laughs> um, but some missions are just impossible to do because how many people have Boba Fett? Very, it's it's one of the hardest figures to get. So. And you said that the uh, no, Darth Vader. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, you could. One of the missions was so unbalanced. It was Chewbacca, Han Solo, and Leia mm-hmm. against Darth Vader, Boba Fett. Um, and six stormtroopers, and then another yeah. force was uh, Lando Calrissian and two Bespin guards, and basically, basically ba- helping the uh they c- they could go either way. Okay, so either the so Leia had to escape through this little door and run away, but it was so impossible. Or you could just kill Han and Chewie, which is the way I went. <laughs> it was so much easier <laughs> than ha- than capturing the princess. But a lot of missions are just geared yeah. toward looking like in the movie, mm-hmm. and it's kind of um, disappointing to a certain yeah. extent. And you get the... Uh, in that mission particularly, you said that you got a one, a critical uh, I got miss. A cri- I got a critical hit with my Boba Fett, which could have made the other side win, except for they didn't shoot Vader at all during the mission for some reason. Yeah. I know, but you said but that I got Vader... A critical Vader will kill any character if they roll a one, because, you know, they, they, they failed. Up, yeah. they, they failed. So... Boba Fett rolled a one, and I had to kill him. So Darth Vader choked Boba Fett. Darth Vader choked Boba Fett. <laughs> That's bad. <laughs> yeah. Well, I suggest you buy this book because it's there's lots of ideas. There are, and you can adapt them. Um, the last game we played, where we played the uh, Han Solo, Leia, C-3PO, and Chewbacca have to escape out of the Hoth base, but we didn't use the map that they'd given there. We used one of the uh, fan base map, and we added the fringe faction. So. It was one of our friends, Thomas. He played the Rebels. I played the Imperials. And then Martin took three Wampas. <laughs> and the cool. Wampas were one in one of the rooms. And if you oh walked yeah. by, the Wampas would come out. Yeah. And they just brought like all kinds of yeah, craziness. Yeah, he to the told game. us that. You know, they w- they d- he put the Wampas like in the cutscene from. Yes. And uh, yeah, he told us that. And the Wampa loose were rampaging. They were running around because they're savage and they yeah. attack any guy mm-hmm. that's close to them. <laughs> cool. It was a really cool mission. Nice. So I suggest you buy it. Um, don't pay too much because the suggested price that Wizard gives in Canadian dollars is forty two ninety nine. Forty two ouch. You can easily find it for twenty nine ninety nine, which oh. is lower than the price, which is lower than you would get it in the states. Where did you get it? I got mine for thirty one ninety nine at Silver Snail in Toronto. You could probably get it. Uh, I think maybe Legends might have. It. I wouldn't go to Chapters because Chapters mm-hmm. overprices everything yeah. from Wizards. But, but uh, Le- Legends add the uh, the miniatures, so maybe they have that. But Maybe uh, La Carta Magica had it for twenty nine ninety nine yesterday, okay. which is pretty good deal. Yeah, Canadian, it's like like Th- it's, it's, it's twenty it's bucks American. Yeah, it's way cheaper. It's cheaper than buying it in the states if you buy it there. Okay, because nice. the listed price is twenty nine ninety nine for this book in U.S. dollars. Okay, so if you buy it for twenty nine ninety nine Canadian, very good deal. Yeah, but the our dollar is getting closer. Our dollar is getting very close. <laughs> Not the little sixty cents it once was. It's yeah. closer to eighty five, eighty nine. It's getting up there. So that's I suggest it. you buy it. It's really fun. If you like the miniatures, go for it. Cool review. If I would, if I was playing more, I, I would maybe. But you know, maybe after Revenge of the Sith has come out, maybe I will have more time <laughs> to play or do some RPG. Well, I would love to go back to the table RPG, the basic. I would love. It's really hard to, go to get a good community going as yeah. well. But with the RPG, th- with the miniatures, it's hard finding people that play it right now. There aren't a lot of people playing it. 
more so than the AD&D game that's miniatures because mm-hmm. no one plays that but it's a very good game and I understand why more people aren't playing it yeah but Clone Strike's going to bring in a lot of Jedi which I'm not yeah, too hot they, about they seem the, the game seem unbalanced you know, a, lot of, a bunch of Jedi and what happened to the Separatists how can they well, they, they must have, be have special bonus they, because they must. They have Darth Maul, Doku, a generic dark sider. They have Asajj Ventress. They have uh, Darth Sidious. Bunch of other guys, but nothing really. But what uh, what is the common figure for the the, 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 the Republic? They they have clone troopers okay. and they have a Jedi Guardian. Okay, and they have a Gungan, I think. No. Oh. the The fringe is the most interesting though. Oh. Uh, there are only ten. Or eleven, but the special figures are um, Django Fett. No, no, no. Django Fett is separate. Separatist. Yeah, he uh, because you can't have you uh, can't have Mace him Mace with yeah. Mace. Mace. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> um, you can have so it's Zam Wessel and um, what's her name? Ela si- no, no, uh, it's the, the bounty hunter from the Aura Singh. Aura Singh. Okay, nice. and Zam Wessel is the most interesting because she gets a bonus when she's not in a group. Oh. And she has the Cohoons, which deal 60 damages. 60 damage. You know the little bugs? Oh, yeah. That attack Padme? Yeah. She has those. They deal like 60 damage. Ouch. Poison. They're incredible. <laughs> it's like it's she throws them? <laughs> it's going to be something I like. She's going to be like kind of like closer to the grenade, okay. which is in the game mechanic right now. Mm-hmm. Cool. But uh, I'm not but sure I will buy much. But they, they could have waited until Revenge of the Sith. But but they Mar- are marketing. They are yeah. already bringing. They are bringing out a set for that. Yeah. But marketing wise, it's better to separate them. Yeah. <laughs> but I I don't think the only reason the only reason I would play in the ter- the upcoming tournament because there is one for the in release Montreal, yeah. would be if I were to get I'm going to buy a booster and if I get Dooku or Mace Windu in the box I'm going to buy the starter. Okay. Because if I get then. Because they are worth either of them hold the balance of power to the s- to the unique figures in the okay. starter. Oh, okay. So if you put Mace Windu and Obi Wan together, makes a hundred points, or cl- ninety nine points. And if you put Doku and Jango Fett together, you get close to a hundred points. And those figures are crazy. Okay. If you look at the Just stats, two against two. The two two f- the two figures against another army I could kill. Damn. Because Mace Windu is worth sixty three points. Ouch. He's more powerful than any other figure in the set. In any even set Yoda, and even more powerful than Yoda. Yeah. He can do three attacks in one turn. Ouch! As opposed to people that are just doing two now. Damn! Wow! He's very strong. Can't wait to see that. I would probably buy the starter anyway, even if I'm I don't buy just just to uh, get the, the some of the details. I'm anxious to see the map. Okay. What map they will use okay. in the starter? Because cool. will it be Genosis, or will they put another? Will they put one side that's blank and then mm-hmm. Genosis? Or I'd love to see two maps, like one side Genosis and then the other another. It would just be interesting to see. Mm-hmm. Cool. So we'll see the this coming week because it's being released on Friday. Nice. There you go. And now we're sadly at the part of the show where we have to say goodbye. No. <laughs> okay, so we'll go hunt for another half hour. No, no, no. <laughs> we have Tatooine TV to cover that half hour. There you go. Um, of course, I uh, want to tell you that our next show is going to be on December 12, 2004. We'll be reviewing the 2004 year. And there might be something else that I don't want to jinx right now, so I'm not going to announce it. 
Okay, but we might actually have a little surprise for you guys on the next show. Just so it might not be the 2004 in review. That like 2004 might actually get kicked to secondary oh, subject, yeah. if not on at all. Yeah. Uh, of course, if you have any comments on the show uh, or that you would like to make any suggestions for upcoming subject, then please do. Uh, please send an email to studio at swendirect.com. And if you feel like I- if you like the show, we suggest that you talk about it around yourself. Word to mouth is the best publicity we can have by our listeners. Bring a friend in the next show. We'd like to take a second to also thank our sponsors, Sitland.net, Legends Action Figures, SWRedemption.com, our webhost, simple-net.ca, our partners, FreeConflict.com, Trek Wars, the Furry Conflict audio drama, Episode3.net, uh, MillenniumFalcon.com, TheForce.net, your daily dose of Star Wars, Galactic Hunter, keeping collectors on target. And T-Bone Star Wars Universe and the Galactic Senate message boards available at StarWarsWithAZ.com and, of course, StarWarsFanWorks.com, the home of Star Wars Fan Audio. So, this is Sebastian, Brian, and Danny saying see you next time on Star Wars no, on Direct. Sebastian. The voice of Star Wars fandom. And please stay on, stay with us because for the next 20 minutes we'll be hearing Tatooine TV number 20, Commander Pilati Part 3. This show has been brought to you by SimpleNet. Webmasters, online gamers, or administrators of e-business. At SimpleNet, we will always have a solution to meet your needs. You were listening to Star Wars on Direct, the voice of Star Wars fandom. Be sure to visit www.swanzerec.com for more information about upcoming shows. Legends Action Figures, the place for Star Wars figures and collectibles in Canada. Visit our website and compare our prices. We've got customers from all around the world and the best service around. Come meet the staff at our Montreal store or visit our website at www.legendsactionfigures.com. All prices in Canadian dollars. Cyclan.net, c'est les toutes dernières actualités sur l'univers Star Wars. Plusieurs dossiers sur la saga. Des événements et rencontres entre fans. Un énorme forum de discussion. Une radio web à contenu 100% Star Wars, incluant une ligne ouverte en direct. Plusieurs concours ouverts au Québec et en Europe, et bien plus encore. Ne résistez pas à la tentation du côté obscur. Cliquez sur le www.cyclan.net. Galactic Hunter, the place where you can find the latest Star Wars collectible news from all around the world. From the Hasbro and Kenner lines of action figures, to comics, games, prop collectibles, and events, everything is covered and reviewed. Join our fan community in the Bounty Hunter Collective forums and find all your bounties at www.galactichunter.com. Galactic Hunter, keeping collectors 
target. StarWarsFanWorks.com, the home of Star Wars Fan Audio on the Internet. It's your home for Star Wars Fan Audio Genre News, a comprehensive catalog of fan-made Star Wars radio shows, parody tales, and serious audio dramas. With behind-the-scenes features, a message board, reviews, tutorials, convention coverage, an Internet movie database-style directory of the entire Star Wars Fan Audio community, and the only Fan Audio community-recognized Star Wars Fan Audio Academy Awards held each year. StarWarsFanWorks.com. Fandom has a whole new sound. Hi everybody, this is Josh from TheForce.net. When you get online, be sure to stop by the number one fan site for Star Wars for your daily dose. Our Star Wars news is updated literally a dozen times a day. We cover everything from the upcoming Episode 3 to the latest video games and collecting news. If it's connected to Star Wars, you'll find it on TFN. Post your thoughts about Star Wars, react to the latest news in the Jedi Council forums. Over 10,000 posts a day. Stop by our side of the internet, theforce.net, your daily dose of Star Wars. This is Tatooine TV. From the moment I met Commander Pilates, I became conflicted. Oh, I would never admit it to anyone, but her ways and enticements were changing me. I watch too much of the Bravo Channel, the Hovel and Garden Channel, and I now exfoliate my skin every day. Officer Grotto warned me from the beginning, but now I am falling for this vixen, this Commander Pilates. She is a danger, I see that now, but she is an allurement that I cannot resist. If the power of the Sith and the dark side of the Force is a reality, then it is about to be put to the ultimate test. I have avoided answering the constantly ringing comlink. I know it's her, and I need some time to collect my thoughts and plan how I can deliver this woman to the Emperor before she destroys me. Admiral Stone, sir? Grotto? Yes, sir. Do you have any news for me? No, sir. We're working on acquiring access to the extended records. That will give us more information on this woman. Very good, officer. Let me know when you learn more. Yes, sir. Has she called? Every five minutes. You must not waver. You have a job to do. I'm aware of that, officer. Just keep me informed. Yes, sir. Uh, hello? Hi, stranger. For a minute I thought you were avoiding me. Me? <laughs> Never. Well, good. Because I get upset when people avoid me. Very upset. Well, we wouldn't want that now, would we? No, we don't. We have big plans today. I'm picking you up in a few. We're going to have fun. Ciao. Ciao. What have I gotten myself into? Admiral? Admiral? Yes, Grotto. What have you found? Well, we know the exfoliator has launched many attacks, but there have been no rebel captures by Pilates. We know she hates men, and yet you have not been attacked. Has she shown any anger towards you? No, quite the opposite, actually. Even so, there are still many answers needed to end this mystery. Yes, I will continue my interrogation. Hmm. 
Hold on. Someone's at the door. Hi there. Oh, my Sarlacc pit. Something very intriguing has just been brought to my attention. I'll have to talk to you later. Yes, this will take quite a lot of time to investigate. Goodbye. Do you like my outfit? Uh-huh. I want you all to myself today, okay? Now let's go. Sure. Mm-hmm. So, where are we going? We're going to have fun, sweetie. Oh, I can't wait. For what? Shopping, baby, shopping. Oh, no. What was that? I said, let's go. <laughs> Shopping. Uh-huh. Where can I find the hologram units or the tool department? Ah, none of that on my ship. We have clothes, spas, and coffee bistros. Come on, help me decide what cute dress to buy. No, no, danger, danger. Admiral, get away. Admiral, can you hear me? I hear you. What is it? Shopping with a female is very bad, especially this female. Females can shop forever. They lose track of time. They can stand on their feet and browse through endless articles of clothing for hours on end. Get away! How does this look on me? Very nice. Just very nice? Oof. I'll just have to try on the other 50 dress picked out. Oh, uh, 50? <laughs> uh-huh. Be right back. Oh, no. Told you. Yes, but you, you should have seen the dress she had on. She has great legs and... Yeah, you'll be seeing more dresses than you'll ever want to see today. Three hours later. Okay, do these shoes go with this dress, this belt, and these earrings? Uh... Okay, I can help you with this. Say yes. Yes. Hmm, what about these shoes? Okay, now say no. No, uh, not really. See, Admiral, you just switch back and forth from yes to no. This will make the females think you're really thinking about what goes with what. No. What do you know about fashion anyway? Admiral, since you're captive there in the clothing section, why don't you continue your interrogation? That's a good idea. Oh, Commander! I'm upset with you. Oh, look, that's a nice dress. Really? I'll try it on right now. All right, but I need to ask you some questions. Sure. Come on over and stand on the other side of the dressing room door. Oh, uh, okay. So, Commander, why would someone think that you would be turning people away from the dark side? You know, there is a proverb. She who limits herself, limits herself. Uh, huh? Well, uh, that's interesting, but why are you turning people away from the dark side? You've asked your question, and now I'm going to ask you one. Uh-oh, Admiral. What do you mean, uh-oh? Tell her you found the cutest purse for her, and you'll bring it back. Sweetie, I found the cutest purse for you, but I have to go get it, and I'll bring it right back. Okay? I'll be right here. Okie dokie. Okie dokie. Okie pokie. Okay, will you just get away from her? All right. What do you want? Okay, I've been looking into the most dangerous part of females. 
and since they are the masters of conversation, and men are not, I need to educate you. I can carry on a conversation. Sir, men exchange information as we communicate, but women use communication much differently. They use communication to bond with each other, to gossip, to entrap each other. The bottom line is, there are many levels to a female conversation. It is never just idle chit-chat. Have you been telling her imperial secrets? Well... Well, what? I buckled under the pressure and those high-heeled shoes she was wearing. Sir, get yourself together. I'm so weak. Sir, listen to me. I'm going to help you wave through the landmines of talking to a female. All right, go ahead. Never tell them too much. Only say just enough to get them to move on to the next subject. Say, uh-huh, yeah, and I don't know. That works? Yes. Now, on to the most important thing I will ever tell you. There are three questions you should answer very carefully if asked. If you don't, it will mean certain doom for you. What are they? Keep these in your mind. Never forget them. Do you think she's prettier than me? That's one. Second, how do I look in this dress? And third, where is our relationship going? They seem like harmless questions from someone who wants an honest point of view. No. These are ancient questions that every female will remember the answers you give her for the rest of her life. Listen to the answers very carefully. Very carefully. Okay. Proceed. Question one. Do you think she's prettier than me? The answer you must give is, no way. Your tone of voice must be secure and certain. No way. Got it. Continue. Question two. How do I look in this dress? The answer you must give is intoxicating. Women love that. All right. Question three. Where is our relationship going? The answer you must give is all the way. That about does it. Got it? Of course. Okay, Mr. Week. Let's practice. How do I look in this dress? I can't see you. You're on a comlink. You rank or brain. Answer is if she were asking you. Let's try it again. How do I look in this dress? Intoxicating. Good. Okay, do you think she's prettier than me? No way. Great. Where is our relationship going? Oh, sweetie, where's my purse? Ah! You scared me. That's not the right answer. I'm sorry, Pumpkin. Where's the purse you were looking for? Uh, they, they, they ran out. You're fading in and out. I can't hear you. Sir? Sir? And I was looking for another one just as cute. That's funny. I stocked the items, and we never run out of anything. Well, uh, uh, what were we talking about before? Oh, right. I have a question for you. Honey, is she cuter than me? Uh, help. What was the answer? Well, I'm waiting. Well, uh, let's see. Um, mm, mm, all the way. Well, that wasn't very nice. Where do you see our relationship going? Right. Uh, that answer is... Nowhere. You insensitive ape. What do I look like in this dress? Oh, oh, I know this one. You look... Drunk. Admiral. Admiral. Hmm, uh, 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 yes? Hello? Admiral, I lost your signal. What happened? With what? Pilates. Did she ask you the three questions? Of course. 
Did you give the right answers? Yes. Great. No. No? Yes, I gave the right answers, but in the wrong order. Oh. Yeah. Then, then she slapped me. I fell unconscious, and now I'm here in my room, I think. But you're still alive, sir? Oh, very good, Sherlock Holmes. Sir, Pilates is known for killing men who upset her, and for some reason, you've beaten the odds. Feels like the odds beat me. Okay, sir, listen. Since she likes you, take this opportunity to trick her into escorting you to the Emperor. Mm, perhaps I can. How can I dig myself out of this wrong answer mess? Flowers. That's a universal symbol for, I screwed up. Flowers? Oh, brother. A small bouquet for a small mistake? No, a small bouquet is for any kind of mistake. The bigger, the better. HR is really going to deny my expense report this time. Hello? Hi, Pookie Bear. Hi. I'm sorry about what I... Shh, don't talk about it. I forgive you. The flowers are gorgeous. I had to rent another apartment just to store them, but they're so pretty. Let's you and I get a little lunch? Sure. Where should I meet you? Shay Overpriced. A Pilates party at two, right this way. We've got a table with a wonderful view. Fabulous. Look at all the stars. Yeah, stars and planets. But I'd rather have the view of you. Hmm. Better catch me, Admiral. I think I'm falling for you. Why don't we get away? Maybe to Coruscant. There's a beautiful resort and spa. Pilates! Girls, come here! Oh, hug! Well, this is a sight. Stone, darling. You wouldn't mind if my dear friends Officer Flora and Officer Fauna join us for lunch, would you? Uh... No. Perfect. Flora, Fauna, what have you two been up to today? Looks like you did a little shopping, maybe. I bought these shoes. They are so cute, don't you think? Mm-hmm. They had two different styles of shoes. One with a cute little bow and the other with a cute little strap. So I bought both pairs. This dress was on sale for $500, so I bought two. Mm. I love the little ruffles here and the bow on the back. This dress came in fuchsia, mauve, and teal. Uh. But I really wanted white. Uh, ladies, I have to go to the restroom. Okay, dear. So, anyway, I bought one of those home liposuction kits, like the one from the infomercial. I just love it. So, anyway, I'm looking at buying a new transport vehicle. The one with the flower vase and the cockpit. Great. 
And then I was reading in this magazine that eating made you fat. So I gave it up. How do I look? If I keep this up, I'll disappear next week. Grotto. 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 Yes, sir. I don't think I can take much more of this lunch with these females. Females? I thought you were going to take Pilates out and convince her to come with you to Coruscant. I tried, but then her friends came by. Uh-oh. Uh-oh is right. And they all started talking all at the same time. I got a headache just from trying to keep up with them. You can't. You're a male. Can't you get rid of the other females? No, I think the friends have come to stay for lunch. Go to the table and I will help you. All right. Here I go. So, what do you think of him? Cute. What kind of ship does he command? Class 5 Star Destroyer with some Delta IV upgrades, leather seats in the cockpit, auto-aim type 7 blasters all around. Nice. What kind of coin does he pull down? Ladies, miss me while I was gone? Yes, I didn't think we could take another minute without you. <laughs> okay, uh, let's order. Um, I have to go to the ladies' room. Come with? Okay, but what do you gals want to eat? Oh, anything. I'm not that picky. Yes, anything you think will be fine. Yeah, anything, big boy. Oh, no. Oh, no what? Ordering for a female is in the top five most dangerous tasks a man can undertake. It can't be that hard. Oh, really? Well, we'll see how you fare, mister. May I take your order? Yes, well, I'll have the reek steak. Dagobah greens, and baked potato. How would you like a steak prepared? Well, kill it first, uh, then cook it about medium. I don't want my dinner roaring. <laughs> uh. How quaint. And what about your guests? Well, everyone likes reek steak. Reek steak's all around. Sir, no. Uh, to, to scratch that, please. Okay. Sir. What is it? Females eat, but they rarely eat much of anything in front of males and other females. Meat is out. Uh, maybe fish. Ask the waitress. Hello. Uh, let me see. Uh, Elas, what would a woman normally order for lunch? It's Sally. Well, we'll have that all around then. No, my name is Sally. I'm dyslexic. Okay, dyslexic? What would you suggest? No, you see, my name is Sally, and I'm dyslexic. You're still not getting it. See, oh, never mind. Salads. Women love salads. Maybe she's right. Yes, low-fat, healthy. Salads, perfect. You have a perfect chance now to take her to the emperor. Great job. Salads all around, please, dyslexic. What an idiot. Okay, salads all around. What dressings would you like? Oh, no. <laughs> Commander, calm down. You won't be as wrinkly as the woman who cooks the food in the cafeteria. What? You know you're right. I know all the best laser surgeons and I watch what I eat. Yes, you're the best looking commander the Empire has ever seen. Even a blind man can see that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's go eat, girls. You know, I've become very picky about what I eat lately. Me too. Ditto. This steak 
It's delicious. Mmm. Hi, honey. <gasps> oh, ah, I got salads for everyone. Salads, salads, salads. Yes, uh, salads. You all like salads, don't you? That is beside the point. Do you think I'm fat? Is that what you think of us? Well, do you? No. Uh, Crotto. You are going to die. I'm switching off. I thought you loved me, but I see now that I was totally wrong about you. You deceived me, flirting with my friends, ordering me this with this slop dressing all over. And what's worse, you didn't even wait for us to come back before you started to fill your own face. I've had enough of you. You won't treat our commander this way. You're inhuman. I didn't really think you were cute. I was trying to make you feel better about yourself. How could you hurt our commander? You've broken your last heart on this ship. Prepare to meet your doom. Wait a minute! I never did all those things. <gasps> Run, you idiot! She'll kill you. Okay, I'm in the bathroom now, Grotto. Sir, we now have the last piece of the puzzle. The attacks that Pilates and her crew waged were the cause of biological changes called red zones. These cause emotional swings and mental instability. She has been questioned by a rebel inquisition before she destroyed them, and she said she couldn't remember anything she did during the red zone. It seems that the entire crew lapses into this red zone every month at the same time, and the Star Destroyer is also affected. It turns the color red. I have dispatched a rescue crew for you. Do not speak to her and do not allow her to enter that room. I... I didn't know. You were warned of the danger. Stone! Stone! I will destroy you! I will destroy you! Pokey Bear! I love you! I just get a little crazy sometimes. Can't we forget about what happened? Come, come out to me. You acted so crazy. I got scared. I know, I'm such an idiot. Come here. I can smell your perfume from here. Hmm, I'll be right out. Okay. No, sir. She's all right now. They are never all right for at least a week, maybe two. The team should be arriving now. Just wait for them. Are you coming out, lover boy? Pookie? Good evening, Admiral Stone. Commander Pike sent us. We are the rescue squad. We're here to rescue you. Please follow us. Commander, Stone has escaped. What? Oh, he left me. Who does he think he is? I'm the best woman he's ever seen. No man has ever left me. No man has ever left me. No man will ever leave me. This is Commander Pilates. Launch a full-scale assault on every ship within one light-speed jump for our position. If there's a nail on board, destroy them all. The end of Tatooine TV is coming. See you next time on Tatooine TV. Tatooine TV number 20. Is a Jeff Roney Designs production. For full credit information, please visit jrdonline.com. It's only minutes. Sir, if you're not be needing me, I'll close down for a while.